it's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve in the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take a sci-fi western fantasy series, get some great actors, but make it boring as fuck? Why, you get The Dark Tower. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. And it is the last episode of the season. And of course, I've got to do something at least um, that I've been either meaning to do or that, you know, it's something that I kind of want to look at before I look at something that I really do enjoy uh, when we look at the episode for the first of the new season. I fucking can't believe I've been doing this. For five years now, I'm going to be starting on the sixth season really, really soon. <laughs> well, the next episode. And it's weird. I know some people call them seasons and I'm, you know, this isn't a season because it never really ends. But I like to have the anniversary, like, of the show be the start of something new because something may change up in those times. I might try to do something a little different here and there. Maybe a different type of movie. Maybe a different type of theme at some point. Try to keep everything all together in some weird shape or form. You know, I've changed a couple things up from the theme song to doing whatever it is. But I just kind of like to think of that as the start of something new. And so the start of a new season. Now, not much is going to change. But, you know, we'll see where things go for everything. And uh, everything's as weird as it's going to get anyway. So might as well try to do something, uh, you know, fun with the podcast. But here we are. We are... I want to say finally talking about this movie, but, like, uh, I have waited forever to do this movie. Now, I bought this DVD in the $5 bin at Walmart when I was there looking for something over, I don't know, eight, nine months ago. Something like that. Because I remember this movie came out in 2017. I was actually really looking forward to it. And I was looking forward to it, like way when it was first announced and they were just doing the whole concept of everything like this series is possibly my favorite Stephen King series ever I have reread The Gunslinger at least six or seven times and I haven't done it recently but I really like that book and the drawing of three like I believe I said last time uh, but that is hands down my favorite of this series like that's it I really liked it. I remember being upset at the way the original series ended. Well, not the original series. The original book, the very first book, ended. And I was kind of like, huh, that kind of sucks. And it was a little slow to get going. Well, maybe not super slow because the beginning was kind of... Okay, so the beginning wasn't that slow. But it got a little slow. And then there was the big bonding between Jake and Roland and what happens at the end of the first book. 
it really upset me and I was like, oh God. But then I realized, hey, these books started before I was born. And so there's others, at least at least one more, which was The Drawing of Three. And then I remember I had to wait for The Wastelands to come out. And when that came out, I was so goddamn excited. And it was one of the few times where I know my parents were like, wow, he really wants to get this book. And then I heard about Wizard and Glass, and I was like, oh, I have to get Wizard and Glass when it's ready. And I got Wizards and Glass, uh, Wizard and Glass. And then, man, I even read Eyes of the Dragon because Roland was in it. But he's not really in it, but he is kind of, sort of. But the man in black really is in that book. So it's it's a weird series. And then after that, I did kind of fall off, but I ended up getting the other books and I've gone through the other ones. And while I feel like he kind of rushed the ending of the story, and I really feel like King was trying not to pull a George R.R. R. Martin and just not finish the series and then fucking die. You know, or you can think about the guy that wrote the Wheel of Time books whose name fucking escapes me right now, where he did die in making those that those books and his son and his wife they had to finish the books for him and it's one of those things where i really feel like like i said king just he he had his idea he knew what he wanted to do with it and then he went for it now i'm gonna talk a little bit about the book series because there are things i think you need to know if you've never known about them and i'm gonna be as brief as possible and try to be as spoiler free as possible because if you really really love the series and you've never read the series um or love king i guess i should say and you never read this series you do yourself a favor to at least read up to wizard and glass the wolves of kala is okay and the dark tower will give you a good end to the series at least give you kind of what you want and you know at least reasoning and an ending whether you like the ending or not it gives you one um and then there is, uh, you know, Song of Susanna, which comes before it, is kind of like, okay, it's not my favorite of the series, but it does some weird things. Like, uh, to give you a hint, because this I don't want to give away, uh, and it's also in the Dark Tower too. but I don't know how many people out there are big fans of Coheed and Cambria, and I really am, because there is a big sci-fi narrative to their music, Right, everything's kind of connected except for one album. Pretty much, is just an album of songs that they tried. It's good. It's not their best, uh, but at least it was something you know different and outside the story. But the one that got them big with "Welcome Home" on it is, uh, and I always fuck up the name of this title because it's like "Good Apollo on Burning Star" for part one through the mouth of madness or something like that at the end of it. I know such a huge fucking fan. I can't remember the whole fucking title. Uh, but part one is written from the point of view of the writer looking at his characters, and the characters and the writer interact with each other. So that kind of gives you, I guess, a spoilerish hint onto what kind of happens. I won't say exactly what happens, but stuff does happen, right, with King and his characters. And it's interesting, okay? I, I really do like how he does it. And, and if you don't know already, um, the Dark Terror series is kind of like the backbone of every one of his stories, right? He considers, at least this is my interpretation of it, that the Dark Tower is what ties everything together, right? It is in the center of the series. Uh, it is, you know, Pennywise shows up in these books. The Randall Flagg, he is a constant villain, also known as the Crimson King in this series. 
that shows up in a ton of different things, including The Stand. He is the main antagonist of The Stand, and here he is, he's in here, and everybody's kind of connected to the Dark Tower series. So, when you look at this, and you look at the book series, you really have to look at what King has done over the years, and what he's trying to convey, and how epic it is to him, and how it's a part of his life. He spent most of his life writing this series and it really shows and it's really one of the best series of weirdly fantasy novels that I truly love. So the the idea with the series is that you have Roland basically for the most part chasing after the man in black and you know he ends up getting his characters his quartet with him his you know the fellow gunslingers, that they're all going to go after this. They're going to find the man in black, and eventually they're going to get to the Dark Tower, and they're going to, you know, either save the world, and there's a whole thing with his son, and it's there's just a lot of shit, okay? And the thing that you have to know is, and this is the spoiler, so I'd say skip ahead five minutes if you really don't want to know this, but it's important to this movie and how you can kind of see Idris Elba as Roland in that three, two, one... It's cyclical, right? When you get to the end of it, you realize that Roland has gone through this journey multiple times. Maybe sometimes with different people, but he's lived a different life every time that he's done it, right? So he meets the Crimson King, and the Crimson King is trapped there, and he's kind of like going through like a fleshy thing. And Stephen King even puts in the end of that book, he's like, if you want this to be the ending, stop reading right now and don't move forward. And then if you move forward, you learn the fate of Roland, right? You think, Roland, the good ending is Roland finds the Dark Tower. Everything's going to be good. Susanna, even though the Eddie and Jake have died, that here we are. And she's now got this life with them where they're more like siblings to each other. And they have a good relationship with her and everything's fine and dandy. And then the dark side of it is, is that it's going to keep going, right? He's going to do it again. So... The idea of this movie was to be a continuation of the books. It was just going to be another medium. You're going to have this movie, and then you're going to have a series, and that series was going to be the next step in the storyline. You would still have Jake. You would still have uh, Roland here, and I believe that they were going to be played by both Idris Elba and the guy that plays Jake in the movie, um, but it just this just just didn't generate enough buzz, at least here in the U.S. It still made its budget back. I believe it made something like, um, let me see, $113 million in total. Domestically, it didn't do too well. And for a $66 million movie, it made its money back at least. But that's not a good enough showing for it to be. I mean, it was the lowest number one movie in the U.S. when it came out at something like $15 million. For that weekend, it dethroned whatever was at the top that week. But then again, and then the second week, it was almost like $7 million. So it didn't do well. It wasn't released at a time where movies at the height of everything that's out there. But it did well enough to be the number one movie in America for at least a week, maybe two. But it just didn't gather the attention that I guess maybe it should. And I was so excited. I remember thinking about who should play Roland in my choice always was Viggo Mortensen. I really believe that he should have played the role. But honestly, after watching this and knowing what I know about the way the story goes and what they're doing here with, you know, uh, Idris Alba taking over the character, 
I'm okay with that. And, and Idris Alba is, and I keep wanting to say, say Alba, I mean Elba, but I'm going to say Alba probably a lot because I'm probably thinking about Jessica Alba. And who doesn't think about Jessica Alba? Come on, be honest with yourself. Uh, and so it really, it's like a retelling continuation of The Gunslinger, right? Without all the cool stuff. <laughs> and I really, it's weird because, you know, like like I said with the spoiler section, they could have continued on and King always thought that the second movie or the next medium was really going to focus on the drawing of three and bringing all that stuff to life in a different manner than it does here. But there are just some things that they do in this movie. They take a really cool premise, and just like I said in the beginning, which is kind of spoilerish for the rest of the podcast, it's boring. That's the problem that I have with this movie, is that I was like, oh my god, this is going to be like a two-hour movie, and how am I going to do this, and am I going to be able to get through the whole thing... And I want to try to keep it shorter because I got bloopers to play at the end of this thing. And there's quite a few bloopers that are going to go on. And, you know, I don't want to piss myself off so much if it's like two hours and it's terrible. And then, ugh. And then I look at it, it's like an hour and 37 minutes. And it's not even that. It's like an hour and 29 minutes with fucking almost 10 minutes of fucking credits at the end for everybody that did work on it. You know, we had to thank the bus boy of the bus boy of the bus boy of the food carrier in the goddamn credits. So... It's the biggest thing that you should know when going into this in terms of comparison to the book is that there is no comparison, right? There's ideas. There is the whole gunslinger's creed. That is all in here. And, you know, for the most part, they're trying to do something different. But it's a matter of, you know, it's not a matter of whether or not they failed. Because I'm going to tell you in the beginning right now is that they do fail. But how do they fail? And that's kind of where we're going to look at as we discuss the movie. We're going to look at the areas where I feel like, you know, they could have done a little more. They could have tried something different. And there is one major, major, major flaw with this when you're talking about the gunslinger. And that is something we're going to talk about. (laughs) Because I don't want to give it away right now. I just want to see within the first like 10 minutes of we're talking about this movie, whether or not you can figure out what I'm going to be talking about when it comes to this movie. If you've seen this movie and you love the series and you like this movie, please tell me why. I really want to know because I just could not find much to really enjoy. There are a couple of scenes, okay? But for the most part, being so in love with these characters, well, this one character, well, no, we'll say characters, because I really like Walter, too, in the books, and I like kind of where he goes. Uh, his demise is one that I was like, wow, that's interesting, uh, but that's a whole nother thing that's, like, going on with the story, and that has, there's nothing of that in this at all. So the best thing to do is just to rip the fucking band-aid off and let's just go right into the movie. Now the movie itself starts with basically not a wall of text, but basically just kind of giving us some information of what's going to happen in the movie. And I kind of hoped that the beginning of the movie would actually start with the first lines of the book, which was the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. 
I really would have liked to have seen that. Now it gets whispered in there. But the first lines of the movie are, A tower stands in the center of the universe, protecting us from darkness. It's said that the mind of a child can bring it down. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what does this have to do with anything? And then we fade over and we see that there's a bunch of kids fucking playing around. And I'm like, okay... Like, is this where we're going to see Jake? Like, are we going to already divert so much from the original text? And then I had to think to myself, remember, it's like the Final Fantasy VII remake, right? It's the story, but it's not really the story, right? They're going to deviate from some things. They're going to try to bring it more to the masses. And then I kept thinking to myself, wait, we only have like 130 minutes to do this whole fucking movie here? And we're going to do what? So there has to be some type of like cliffhanger or some shit that they're going to try to do. Okay, because they really want to do more of these movies. So maybe we're not going to get everything that we need. But I still need to understand what the fuck is this shit that I'm seeing on the screen? Why do we have to start talking about the mind of a child? And then we see like this weird kid playpen that's going on. Or it's some fucking village of the damn fucking bullshit. But there's a bunch of kids around there. And then there's a bunch of guards. And then they go inside. And they sit on some fucking machine. Like what the hell is this bullshit? And then they all strap in. And then it's like fucking a clockwork orange or some shit. They're showing them people like dying or something on the other side that you can't fucking see. Or it's some weird dark crystal bullshit where they're making them stare at the fucking crystal and they're sucking the life force out of them and they're firing it at the dark tower. So the kids are now a fucking weapon. So the idea here, and not to get too much into it, and we'll have to get into it a little later, but there's something special about the kids and their fucking, like the way their mind works with something. And there's, oh god, it pisses me off what they're going to try to do. Because I don't even think that King tried to mix that thing. Like, it would have been cool to for them to mix certain elements into this movie that relate to other movies that are out there. But not what they fucking did. And that's, ugh, it drives me fucking crazy that this is where we're going to lead things into. And I get it, it's a King fucking thing and you're going to be like, oh, okay, well it kind of makes sense. But to me, I just, maybe I don't remember it as well because I don't remember reading the, like, I read the other books quite a long time ago. But I remember the fucking drawing of three. It's not in there. Except for Eddie kind of has it. Okay? I know that Eddie can do something fucking special. But that's not reference here. But Jake, uh, Jake had his own things. And again, I could be remembering things wrong. So please excuse me when it comes to these fucking books. Um... And especially as I go into this podcast, because I don't ever bring notes for any of that shit. And I really tried to do a quick read of, like, synopsises to give myself a refresher before I start talking about everything. And talking out my fucking ass, because that's what I do fucking best. There should be, like, a trademark, like, sound or jingle that comes after that. Talking out my ass, it's what I do my best. Ding! <laughs> so... Anyway, you have these fucking kids fucking tied to this dark crystal fucking machine that fires the laser over at the fucking dark tower. And you see it for the first time and I'm kind of like, okay, that's where we're going to go with this type of thing. I don't really get it. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt, but fuck you so far. So from that we see Jake and he's now sleeping in his bed and he gets up because there's an earthquake in New York City. And that makes his mom run into the room and is like... Oh, are you okay? Wow, 
That was an earthquake. I can't believe it. And I'd have to believe. And please, people that are on the east fucking coast, you guys fucking tell me if you'd be freaked the fuck out if a random earthquake just fucking happened. Like, that shit happens over here quite a bit. Well, it hasn't been for a while. But you know what? It doesn't scare me as much as fucking hurricanes and tornadoes. And I know that shit you guys can see coming and there's all this other crazy shit. But really, earthquakes don't really feel like a big fucking deal and i'm pretty sure that tomorrow there's gonna be a giant fucking earthquake and i just fucking doomed everybody in fucking california and it's gonna be like a fucking tool song and la is gonna be my next door neighbor pretty soon but nonetheless would you guys freak out if an earthquake came from the middle of nowhere like they just like oh my god it's an earthquake like they deal with that shit every fucking day and there's the big problem i have too is that everybody except for one fucking actor basically kind of acts the same in this entire movie. Jake acts like his mom. His mom acts like his dad. There isn't a whole lot of emotion that's fucking going on. There's definitely no emotion when we come to fucking Roland, and you'll get that out of him, but I still think that that's okay for the character. For Jake, the way that he acts fucking sucks. I know he's a kid actor, but he fucking sucks. Okay, and everybody else does. And you, but you have two good performances. One, because it's laughably good. And two, because I actually think that he fit the character quite well. And I'll let you decide on which one is which. Uh, but, you know, and laughably good is in the eye of the beholder, I would say. Because some people would say that it's pretty good. I just enjoyed it. But I have a reason why I laugh at it every fucking time. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> moving along so he wakes up and then he comes into the living room where his stepdad is watching tv and that's where we find out that you know he basically is a psychiatric case with the berlin quake last week question is what is causing all these earthquakes and why can't our christ even espn's doing quakes now hey my folks sent me over to see if you guys are still alive I'm fine, Timmy. That's pretty intense. Yeah. You good? Yeah. We're just running a little late. See you later. Say hi to your mom for me. Mom, hi. Don't forget you have Dr. Hodgkiss after school. We're wasting money on all those shrinks. It's making progress. As you can see, everybody's so fucking worried about Jake here. I understand the whole thing with the stepfather thing, right? He really, there's this thing that constantly goes on about, well, you know, he's not your kid and you're really making it obvious that you believe he's not your kid. You know, instead of just a fucking accepting him like you should, that is a common thing, I think, within stepfathers and stepmothers and kids. Some people do it really well, and they're really welcoming to everybody. And it's like you have two moms or two dads or whatever it is. And there are some that are just like, well, you know, uh, that's not my kid. And, you know, he's just a pain in the ass because of all the problems that he has. Instead of fucking trying to be a fucking parent and actually love the kid for what he is. If you're going to do that, fuck you, okay? That's it. I'm going to say that right out. And that's what I say to this dad. Fuck you. Because it's obvious that he's kind of like, uh, 
You're going to therapy again. Like, the kid's going to therapy. Something's fucked up with his head. Man, he's seeing visions. He's got all these drawings over his wall. He thinks that there are people out there that wear two types of skin. One that's a monster and one that's human skin on top of it, which we actually saw back in the chair scene. Uh, there was somebody that had, like, it wasn't quite sewn up, so it looked like a fucking orc underneath the, you know, skin of a human being. So... I guess those are some of the bad guys. And we actually did get to meet Matthew McConaughey's Men in Black. Man in Black. Walter, if you will. Not the Men in Black. Because I think the Men in Black might be... Well, I actually don't know who's cooler. Huh. Well, Tommy Lee Jones is definitely cooler than both Will Smith and Matthew McConaughey in this movie. And Will Smith's not even in this movie. So that's actually kind of a bonus, I guess, for Matthew McConaughey. Uh, well, nonetheless it's just you kind of see him for the first time and that's what leads you over into this world and jake waking up because he's having visions of everything he goes to school for the first day and of course a bully goes and tries to beat him up and tries to steal his book of drawings and basically calls him a weirdo because he's a fucking weirdo and then when you know he retaliates back because the bully's fucking picking on him and stealing his shit the teacher comes over and is like, What the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you acting up? Dude, this guy tried to kick the shit out of him by stealing his fucking book, and you're just gonna sit back and take the side of the fucking bully? What kind of fucked up teacher are you? You know that this kid's having problems. His dad fucking died, and he's retaliating out. At least that's what everybody fucking believes. But no, you gotta be there, and you gotta be on the side of the bully like, he was getting his ass kicked, I had to do something. Even though he's the one that instigated all this shit. And I think I just said instigated, and if I did, fuck it, it's being left in, because this is the final episode of the season. <laughs> but you're gonna get plenty of bloopers at the end but nonetheless it just drives me fucking crazy that they're kind of treating jake terribly right they're not doing a good job of you connecting with him and feeling bad for him like you kind of do and you kind of think he's weird at the same time not just because he looks weird like he's got like a seven head but He's also just not very likable so far. And especially when he has his first meeting with the therapist. And everybody, including this therapist, is kind of a dick to him. You've been uh, quite busy, Jake. This big tower in the clouds you keep dreaming about. You say these earthquakes we've been having have something to do with it. They happen because the tower is under attack. You're a smart kid, Jake. You know when you can't differentiate between dreams and reality. It's not a dream. Okay, I'm not crazy. I always see the same thing. The tower, the man in black, the creepy guys with the fake skins. What if the tower were destroyed? Darkness and fire. Let's talk about your dad. Surprise. When you lost your father, your whole world fell apart. You have these visions of impending hell on earth because that's how you feel inside. Even words like darkness and fire. Jake, you're describing the night your father died. Can't just be about that. They're just dreams, Jake. They're not real.
So, okay, as a therapist, I, well, I'm not a fucking therapist, and if I was, I'd be the worst fucking therapist you'd ever fucking have, because I'd just be like, yep, you're fucked up in the head, next! (laughs) You know, we're just gonna go on from there. Yeah, you're fucked up too, next! (laughs) Dude, I'm just trying to get my life together, everything straight. Yeah, well, if you hadn't fucked it up, you'd be good. Next! Oh, man, I could do that all fucking day. Better not come to me with your problems, because I don't give a fuck. No, that's not true. But nonetheless, you know, as a therapist, okay, I kind of agree with the guy a little bit. He's a little bit of a dick, because he's not really trying to understand him. And of course, Jake is giving him faces like, dude, like, this is what's going on. I draw these things. These things aren't just things, oh, because it's fire and earthquakes. But it's not just that. Have you seen the pictures of the dudes I have in my wall? You know, those shirtless buff guy. I mean, the charcoal drawings that I have up on the wall? That shit is just, you know, it's madness. And there's a giant tower, and there's, you know, this base, and there's a wasteland. It's like it's a whole nother fucking world. None of it has any fucking fire. And there's earthquakes because earthquakes are fucking happening in the world. Just because my dad was a firefighter doesn't mean that, you know, he's the one that I'm so worried about and I have this disconnect from. Maybe it's the reason I got something else, but who fucking knows? So, it's just... It's an interesting situation to try to set up Jake as a character. Like, do you really feel bad for him? Part of me doesn't. Part of me does. But I'm not really connecting with it. And I honestly don't really care where this is going. So he goes back home, right? And when he goes home, he meets up with his friend. And that's where he steps in with his mom arguing with his stepdad. And what the asshole stepparent always fucking does. Jake. What's up? Bad day? Yeah. Let's go. Wanna go? Yeah. I'll wait in your room. Jesus, Long, can you at least pretend like he's your own kid? I'm sorry, baby. We, we didn't hear you come in. What the hell happened to school today? You promised me you're gonna stay out of trouble. Sorry, Mom. Honey, um, the school's been approached by a clinic upstate. They work with kids who are having a hard time. There's an opening this weekend. It's supposed to be a really great place. It's science-based. Brain scans, sleep patterns. I think it could be. Yeah, okay. Man, psycho camp. Sucks, dude. More shrinks. Waste of time. Dude. What? Stop staring at your drawings. You're freaking me out. You think I'm crazy too, don't you? Bad shit. So the one thing that it didn't mention on his way home is he did see one of those people that has the skin peeling off of his face. And he was like, huh, because they're like grabbing the sides and they can see him going in and scratching it. Because I guess wearing human skin is probably pretty itchy if you're wearing it on top of like your furry fucking face. And then somebody else approached him to say to him that, hey, they're stealing kids. Those people are fucking real. 
And then that kind of freaks him out, and that's why he zones out the beginning of the scene here. And even, like, it leads him to think more of what's going on, especially when you walk in and you see your mom arguing with your stepdad about sending you off to the fucking loony bin because you might be fucking crazy. And to where he even asks his friend, do you think I'm fucking crazy? And it's kind of a jokey response, and yeah, that shit, you know, but you can... Honestly, see, well, you know what? You can't. Because that kid is fucking terrible, too. It's just, like, even his mom, like, when they walks in, it's just like, oh, at least think of him like your kid. But it's not like, she's not really angry. She's just blah. And even this kid's trying to kind of make a joke to make them feel better, it's just... Blah, it's like, how New York can you get your fucking accent? Oh, hey, that New York accent is hella fucking good. Just talk like that. You mean without emoting? Yeah, just fucking like that. Don't show any fucking emotion. Don't fucking smile. Don't do anything else. Just kind of act like a dick. And he's like, good, okay, I can do this. This is easy. I do this in my everyday life. So he acts like a dick. And then that's the scene that we get. It's just... It's all setting up everything that's kind of going on with Jake and what he believes and and how he reacts to everything and it doesn't really doesn't really do us any good like you really don't connect to anything. It would have been nice to spend a little more time and I can't believe I'm fucking saying this in like Jake's everyday life before things just suddenly start happening because the pace of this movie is so fucking fast but everything feels like it's fucking slow like you're listening to an episode of this fucking podcast even though the movie's only an hour you're gonna listen to two hours of this fucking thing so (laughs) I'm finally admitting it Um, but (laughs) it's just I just really wish that he he had more to him like in the beginning, but then I think to myself, wait, why am I thinking about this? And as you can see, this is already my number one flaw with this movie. Where the fuck is Roland? The books are about him. It's about him forming his quartet and then traveling after the man in black. The first book is about still about him showing up and running into Jake, right? who has died in his world and is somehow now inside Roland's world, right? So since he's there now, he travels with him and he gains the rapport with him as they travel chasing after Walter. You learn more about him and his past life. You learn a little more about Roland, but not a whole much more about Roland. It's more about Jake in that regard, but the book is centered still around Roland. This movie is centered around Jake. And it's you just don't get enough to be like, this has to be centered around Jake. It should be centered around both. Like, if you're going to do it as a movie, I don't know why we have to make the kid the centered person. It's kind of like King of the Monsters, where even though I really enjoyed that movie, it still was centered around Millie Bobby Brown's character, right? That's who we were really connecting with for most of the movie, but we got a, like we got that connection when we were doing that. That was like the human side, but we still had enough to connect with her father, to connect with Ken Watanabe's character, all of that. We don't get enough time to connect with Roland in this film. The only scene that we even get close close to connecting is this next one where you know jake he has dreams of both roland 
and Walter. You have nothing to be afraid of, my friend. Death is not far away. You want to know what's on the other side? Can you see it? Of course you can't. Because nothing is there. It's all a lie. Go to hell. Been there. Now burn. We lost. Not while the tower still stands. Not while you still stay. Don't let him get in your head. Guns. I do not aim in my head. He who aims in his head has forgotten the face of his father. I aim with my eye. Do not shoot with my hand. He who shoots with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. I shoot with my mind. I do not kill with my gun. He who kills with his gun has forgotten the face of his father. I kill with my heart. Stop breathing. It never works on you, does it, Roland? The power you have to resist my magics. Not forever. Face me! Face me. Tower will fall, Roland. Until next time, old friend. So we've got kind of an interesting start to the scene. I know I jumped in at a really weird point, but there's nothing more than looking around a battlefield and you see a bunch of soldiers that have fallen down, and Walter approaches one of the soldiers on the ground gives a pretty good speech, and this is, you know, we saw him before, and there was a little bit there, but there wasn't really any character to him. We just really saw him, like, have that small interaction with, like, looking at the kids and firing at the tower, and you could say, okay, well, that's the man in black, because we know Matthew McConaughey is playing him, and and honestly, I kind of wish that we had this introduction instead of that introduction to him. In fact, I don't even think that we needed to have that. I think all we need to do is have the ray of light hit the dark tower, and then all of a sudden, Jake wakes up, and there's a little more mystery kind of involved into these things, rather than showing us, because a lot of this dialogue, to be honest with you when we're gonna go through this is really them explaining how they're getting to the next fucking scene and this is one of the few occasions where it's just kind of giving you a little bit about Roland's past and his interaction with Walter in this universe right so you but you get the good introduction here of the way Walter is and the fact that he's basically just pure fucking evil right he's just a bad man That's all we need to fucking know about him. And that's exactly how Matthew McConaughey plays him. And while I don't necessarily agree with all of it, because I really miss 
some portions of him, at least at the beginning. At this point in the movie, I don't feel that he's like the Walter from the books. But I feel that later on, he kind of gets there, but not quite. And he's definitely one of the better performances in the movie, but it's still really laughable because, okay, here's where it comes in. Every time he says an S, he fucking whistles all the goddamn time. And I listen to something, and they mention this. Now whenever I fucking watch McConaughey do anything, all he does is fucking whistle. It's like he's fucking calling birds all the time. It's That's like the thing. He's just going to be doing and so every time and now it's in your fucking head so every time you listen to him he's gonna whistle at least once and it's just gonna be fucking funny the rest of the time and it's hard to take it straight okay but i still think that his performance as walter is pretty good and he definitely gets the best lines in the fucking movie i really like the line that he has there when he's talking with the guy about you wondering what's gonna happen with when you die and basically you're gonna see nothing because nothing's fucking there that's it you're done. Bye. It's great. And it's a really good introduction to this fucking character in being an evil fucking character. No problem. Roland, on the other hand, we get to kind of get a little introduction to his backstory in this little scene that we've got here with his father and basically the war. It's weird to see if this is the same war because you can tell that this is kind of in the past because it's kind of grayed out. But the scene of... Uh, Walter, it's not really grayed out. It's more in full color. So we don't know if it's this leading up to that or that's something that's happening right now and he's trying to get more information or he's trying to stop the people that are stopping him or was it this battle and these are the last two which happens to be Roland and his dad. And when I see his dad, I want to do one of two things. I either want to hit the baseball really, really, really far by practicing my juju or <laughs> I want to get some fucking all-state insurance because I need to be protected, right? And I'm probably going to end up doing both. So you just, you see him there and you see how powerful he is because he just says stop breathing and the dad stops breathing. And by the way, dad in the movie, his name is Steve. Yeah, he plays Steve. Not King, nothing else, Steve. Okay, <laughs> good. No, we're not, but we're going to fucking continue. So he just uses his word, basically like the word of God and preacher, right? He basically says, stop breathing, and his dad fucking stops breathing. And that's fucking it. So it's kind of a weird thing that we've got going on here with him, but it doesn't work on Roland for some reason. And it's never quite explained why it doesn't work on him, but there's something with them where they're the exact opposites of each other. And we kind of get that more, of course, in the book series, but here it's never quite explained. And we know that he can't do anything to him, and especially because he's trying to shoot at him in anger instead of following the creed of the gunslinger, which we heard there between him and his father. And he basically says, as long as the Dark Tower stands, it doesn't matter what happens to us. And then this is what sets the gunslinger in motion to go get his fucking revenge. And so now Jake has his backstory for Roland, and he gets to see and know a little more about Walter here. Uh, he wakes up, and then he goes into the living room, and that's where we run into the now psychic ward people that are trying to pick up Jake, and they look a little too suspicious for them. There he is. 
Hi there, Jake. I'm Jill. I'm your intake administration supervisor. This is Toby, our driver. How's it going, young man? You pack your things? What exactly do they do at your clinic? Jake, these guys have been working with the school for a long time. No, that's okay, Lori. We encourage questions. It shows spirit and vitality. He's just a healthy, growing boy. I can assure you that all our tests are done in a controlled, child-friendly environment. We have a great deal of experience with cases like yours. Night terrors, hallucinations, odd obsessions. Our approach is actually very gentle compared to standard treatments. I understand your concerns, but you don't have to worry at all. Mom, can we pack? Yeah. It's two days. Do you want your ripped jeans or your regular ones? What's wrong? What is that? people from my dream. Honey, you need to stop this. Well, you have to listen to me. What's going on? He's not human. That's not his real face. Oh, Christ. Shut Rick. up, Lon. You actually hope I'm crazy. Just so you can get me out of here. Well, you have to believe me. Lana. Maybe this... Don't you see he's gotten worse? You're gonna go with him right now, or I swear to God, I will drag you down the stairs myself. It's one we can't get him. If you don't like it, then I'll come get you. So this is where the mom seems to be more on the dad side, right? Beginning, she was kind of arguing with him about the whole thing of, you're just trying to get rid of him. You're not even treating him like a son. And here he's like, I'm just going to fucking drag you with me. You're going to go there whether you like it or not because you keep causing me fucking problems. (laughs) Well, not necessarily that fucking bad, but pretty fucking close. And for the most part, the mom is totally on the dad's side. Just like, look, just do this for me for this one time. And, you know, if it's bad, then I'll come and get you. But we really need to make sure that this works. Because I got to make sure that my marriage is okay. And not just you. And I get it. There is some worry about that. And it's more about the parents coming together and being parents together. Like, she's got to juggle, you know asshole stepdad and son that doesn't want to fucking comply and here it seems like she's giving more into the dad and then she's giving into the son though she does kind of give into him with the whole look if it doesn't work out i'll come and get you but please just give this a try for me and of course jake is freaking the fuck out because one he's in this story he, he doesn't look like it but he's like 11 years old but he looks like he's fucking like 15 16 he's way too old to be playing this part to be honest with you, when I look at it, I'm like, wow, he's supposed to be 11? That's not fucking 11. But still, he, you know, he saw the guy over there, and the one that kind of looks like Bobby Moynihan, but he's not Bobby Moynihan, uh, he scratches his neck and then reveals that he's one of the bad guys. And that's, of course, a good reason for him to fucking freak out, right? So he goes back out in the hallway, and he's like, look, he gets his shit together, And he goes out there, okay, I'm going to be ready, but can I go to the fucking bathroom first? And really, this is the oldest trick in the fucking book. You know exactly what's going to happen. He's going to jump out the window. So good old stepdad over here should be like, look, I'm going to watch you fucking pee like you're a fucking drug addict. 
But no, they let him go into the bathroom, and of course he escapes, and he runs away from the two workers. And, like, the dad doesn't even blink an eye when Bobby Moynihan over here jumps after him into the bathroom, after the dad, of course, breaks the fucking door down. And it's funny, because at the end of this, like, there is a gag reel for this movie for some reason. And in this scene, the father goes in there, he busts it down, and then he knocks the sink over completely. And he's, like, holding the sink up while the guy's, like, coming in there and nobody's really noticing what he's done. So I don't know how much, or if, I don't believe any of that's actually left in the film because I didn't pay attention to it. But it's weird that it's in the gag reel. And the gag reel, honestly, is just a lot of, like, the kid making kid faces. And then every now and then, the joking about the script. Which is really fucking funny. Like, they say something and they can't say it straight-faced. They just continue with it. And it's like, okay, you didn't believe in this fucking script either as actors. And I get it, some things can be weird. But even then, it's still like, you gotta be somewhat serious about it. So, Jake runs away. He There's a little bit of a chase scene that goes on. And eventually, he decides to whip around a corner. And then he whips through this other spot to basically make a U-turn around them, and that's how he gets away. And he walks over to the house that he's been looking for. See, he has his house in his dreams, and he decided to put his drawing up on the internet on some forum, saying, hey, have you guys seen this house before? Because to him, it looks like it's in New York, right? And really, he was trying to change things, because he takes all of his pictures off the wall, and he puts them in the drawer and puts them away like, look, maybe I really do have a problem and I really got to help his mom out, which is nice. It's good for the kid. But before that, you put the picture on the net, and then when you finally, you know, you're being comforted by your mom, and she gives you the hug, and you're like, okay, I'm going to go, and then you see that somebody's responded to you, and that's when you decide to fucking escape? It's just weird, okay? So... He eventually gets to where the house is based upon whatever direction. He just says, hey, it's, I'm from that hood. It's in Brooklyn. That's literally the message. It's not, hey, this is here. It's on the corner of, you know, 5th and Vine. And if you take the L train over to the 236 and then you take 6th Street and you go up 17 blocks and then you make a right so that way that you're over on V and 5th, uh, you're there. You know, it's nothing. There's nothing. It's just, it's in Brooklyn. Brooklyn's gotta be fucking huge. And yet, he's able to get to this house with no fucking problem. And when he goes in the house... <sighs> okay. The next thing that pisses me off about this movie happens. So to keep in line with, like, the sci-fi fantasy stuff of this book and of this movie, it's a little more sci-fi than anything else. You know, he goes in the house and he finds a big metal door, which happens to be a portal. And that's how they travel through everything. Now, it's a little bit different. It's a lot bit different in the books. And basically, there are portals, but it's not a portal as in a man-made thing, right? It's just kind of like, it's doors. That That's the whole thing with Drawing of Threes, that Roland, he goes up to these different doors... And then when he goes into the door, he actually steps into the mind of somebody else. 
at least for for this little portion. Then later on, they're able to actually go through the doors and come into Earth. And but they're just kind of all they're all connected to the Dark Tower in some way. They're not just like, hey, we need to travel really fast between point A and point B. So we're going to make these different portals to different worlds. In fact, our portals really only connect to Earth and different points in Earth. And then that's going to allow us travel to other places in this fucking movie. They're just like their connections to King's other works in basically our world, right? And to show that the world that Roland's in is just another version. It's like a different dimension of ours, another universe of ours. And it's basically the same, except for a couple of things are backward and weird, right? There's a Kansas there, but it's not the same as the Kansas here. It's the same thing with New York. There's two different versions of New York. There's different versions of Maine. And they kind of do that in this movie in a scene that's going to be coming up in a bit. But here, they're basically just traveling portals. They allow people to be in our world, to hang out here, to do whatever we need to do. Because they don't have kids in their world for some reason. They got to come over to our Earth and steal our fucking kids. And the only way they do that is with these man-made fucking portals that they have in this movie. And I don't fucking get it. I just... The, the way that the doors work, and I get it. The doors, you know, okay, you could say, oh, those are the portals. But the whole idea with Rowan going into the mind of Eddie and then you're in Eddie's body and he's not controlling Eddie. He's just seeing what Eddie can do and eventually learns how to pull Eddie through the door so he can save his fucking life, right? And the same thing with Susanna and the same thing eventually with Jake. That's how he gets everybody over here. It's Rowan that does fucking everything, not Jake seeing all these fucking visions, seeing a fucking portal and punching in 1919, and that's going to take me where I want to fucking go, and then he just goes through. Oh, do I mention he gets attacked by a house demon? Yeah, there's a fucking house demon. What the fuck is this fucking bullshit? It's just random fucking wood that just pops out of the fucking ground and starts fucking attacking to him until eventually he says, Stop it! And then it stops, and he kills it. Yeah, that's it. That's how he beats the fucking demon. He tells it to stop. Why? Why? Who? Who thought this was a good idea? Who? I don't know. I really don't know who thought that this was the way to go. I haven't been this angry about a movie since House of the Fucking Dead. Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I know you can't fucking... And then this is what the thing that a lot of people said... You cannot adapt the Dark Tower series to a medium like a movie. I think that this would have done better as a TV series, to be honest with you. And I think a lot of probably people probably think the same way. Where you could do weird things like this. That you could make an episode of Roland coming up to the door and then seeing the episode of Eddie. Seeing the episode of Jake. Seeing the episode of Susanna. You know, you could do the Dark Tower, the, the Gunslinger. The Gunslinger could be done as a single movie if you made it like the movie was. Is there going to be a lot of traveling? You betcha. But there's a lot of cool stuff that you could have done too. I would have loved if they had taken pieces from certain things and kind of interjected into this. I thought I was going to see a giant fucking robotic fucking bear attack people when they get to the forest. But we get something else. And probably one of the better scenes in the movie. But nonetheless, it's just... The house demon. Really? 
You're just going to tell him to stop. And that's it. There's no flashy effects. He literally says stop it. And then it drops him on the ground. Then he takes off his shoe and he throws it to the portal. Because he doesn't know if he's going to die. If he goes through the goddamn thing. And then. Well actually no. He does that first. Then the demon fucking attacks him. And then he goes through the portal. And who knows if he ever got his shoe back. Because maybe it fell off a fucking cliff. Or maybe something came by. Ran and grabbed it and ran away. Who knows. I would have liked to seen fucking Oi in this movie too. You could have put Oi in this fucking movie. It would have been great. Might have looked like Rocket Raccoon, but who gives a fuck? But nonetheless, so he stops the fucking house demon. He goes through the portal and eventually he starts roaming the desert looking for Roland. From here we cut over and we see that Walter has come back to his home base and now he's basically getting an update of what's going on and that there was some unauthorized portal use. Fucking portals. Welcome back, sir. Find yourself a face, rat boy. You're in my house. How was your trip? Fine. Do we have any new leads? What have you got? These are all showing promise. Our trackers are going out to them as we speak. There's been a serious breach of security. I'm not fantastic at waiting. Unauthorized crossing, sir. One of the old portals on Keystone Earth. Has that ever happened before? Find me a portal close by. Love your mask. Sir? Choose a pretty face and the world is your oyster. Okay, I don't get it. He's basically, I guess, hitting on the monster saying that, hey, you chose a very nice looking body. You know, okay, why does it need to be said? It's kind of a cool line, but at the same time, out of context, doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like, hey, guess what? You're kind of sexy, but I know you're a monster. We're just going to leave it at that. Uh, the other thing that I kind of thought that they might try to be doing with the home and the whole portal thing is everything that was done with the Rose and the Wastelands, right? We know that the Rose is, and this is a little spoiler on the books, but it's basically a representation of the Dark Tower here on our planet, and there's a lot, and there's a fight between two different corporations, and one of the corporations does actually show up in this movie, and it's funny because the other one that ends up buying the Rose in one of the later novels, it is one of the, like, you know, uh, production companies at the beginning of the movie, which I thought was pretty goddamn funny. Uh, when I saw him, like, hey, that's really familiar, and then I remember between, I think it's Sombra and that, which escapes the name like for the hell of me even though i could probably look back at the beginning of the movie but fuck it because uh, i'm already pissed off as it is uh but it is just like i really thought that that's what they were going to try to do you know because that was one of the sites and that's one of the things that they tried to protect in the books because you get rid of that that's also going to destroy the dark tower so you have, I thought that that was going to be a representation of when Jake goes into the house and the wastelands and he finds the stuff and then that's how Roland actually pulls him through. And I think it's probably a nod to that, which is kind of cool. Uh, but I wish they had done little 
extra things like that. Because there's a couple of spots where you do get connections to the book and, and they do mention certain things. And there's a whole series where, you know, or this whole scene where you learn how it's, you know, another version of the books. Uh, or, I should say, of the story. So, not even the story. It's a continue. Whatever the fuck it is. I don't give a shit anymore. Let's just continue on with the rest of it before I start fucking rambling and screaming and yelling again. Uh, so, now we see Jake traveling across the deserts. And he's looking for Roland. And eventually he comes across a camp. And to where he sees something for water. He grabs it, starts drinking. And that's where we get to meet Roland and find out Roland is real. And he's holding a gun to Jake's face. Who are you? It's you. Uh, I'm, I'm Jake. J- Jake Chambers. I dreamt about you. Please. Here. Look. You're a gunslinger, right? There are no gunslingers. Not anymore. But I saw you. Your dreams deceived you, boy. Told you what you want to hear. I came a long way to find you. From another world. Have a nice trip back. Okay, so I do like the way that he approaches him. And like I said, I think Idris Alba does a pretty good job as uh, Roland here in this movie. I, I think that he definitely plays the whole thing of, I'm going to step back from everybody, I'm going to just be on my own. You know, he even kind of had that in the beginning, even though he had the gunslinger creed kind of going through him. And you learn that Roland really trues, like lives his life by that creed constantly in the books. And he introduces everybody to that creed as he builds his quartet in the books, right? Here, it seems like he's really trying to distance himself from everything. Like he kind of knows what's going on and that there is a connection. Like it truly is a continuation that he knows what's happened before. Or maybe he really doesn't. But he really just, he's trying to do his thing. He doesn't want anybody to fuck with him. And so here he is. And of course, Jake, he decides that he's got to follow directly after him. And he keeps trying to goad and try to get him to stop. And eventually he mentions the man in black, to which Roland grabs him and holds him out over the cliffs. And basically is like, tell me where he is. Where the fuck is he? You know, and Jake's like, look, I don't know anything about him. He's just in my dreams. I know where he is. And that gets him to stop. And he shows him the picture. And of course, Roland's so overcome with revenge. He just wants that information of where he's at. When did you first see this? A year ago. Who is he? He's a sorcerer. And in all your visions, Walter is here? I, yeah. In this place? Yeah. Wait, his name's Walter? Cool. Yeah, keep it.
I'll find you. There's a tribe beyond that forest. We'll go there. They have seers who will read your visions. Let's go. Keep up. Okay. So again, we've kind of got this role in here that just is really about the end to his means, right? He just wants to see himself be the one to kill the fucking man in black. That's all he fucking cares about. He's forgotten the face of his father, and he's just trying to use Jake because Jake... You know, he has the ability to see where he's at, even if he's only put it down on paper, but there's something special about him, and so he knows that he needs to go see what he calls a seer, which is going to interpret what he's basically drawn on the piece of paper and where that location actually is. We then cut over and we see the man in black, you know, he's now coming to our world through one of his fucking portals, and he's walking around with... <laughs> basically look at me i'm fucking matthew mcconaughey type of fucking walk that he's got going on here and he does get a little bit of a funny scene where we see a kid she's on like a bench she's talking to her mom how great the ice cream is and he walks by just says hate and all of a sudden she looks at her mom like i fucking hate you i'm gonna fucking kill you and again these are powers that i fucking want like, I'd love to be able, well, not necessarily the whole killing people and just saying, don't breathe, and they don't fucking breathe. Imagine you just fucked that up. Like, you're with somebody, and, you know, you accidentally say, like, you know, don't breathe in a certain fucking way, or you get pissed off, and you say the wrong fucking thing, you know, cluck like a chicken or some shit, and then they cluck like a chicken for the rest of their fucking life. Or you fucking kill them for some reason. Oh, why don't you just go burn a fucking fire? And then they go jump in a fucking fire, and they fucking turn to ash and then you're stuck with this but then you can make a lot of other things happen like listen to tons of the podcast share with your friends make me rich you know all those great things that you could fucking say to people where (laughs) then they'll just fucking do it it'd be great these powers wonderful you know but then eventually it's probably also going to catch up to you to where you're going to find out god's not really fucking real and doesn't care about anybody but you know that's just the way things go when you become the pre i mean you're the man in black. Um, it's cool at the same time. It's really fucking cheesy, to be honest with you. And it's just because he delivers it with such earnest, like, uh, such an earnest delivery um, that it's like, okay, he really believes he's his character, okay? And there is a little mini documentary about the man in black and, like, he just seems like he's so full of himself, like, yeah, I'm such this great actor. I'm sorry, I'm such a great actor that, <laughs> that's terrible. But nonetheless, you know, he really, he just seems full of himself when you watch the little thing. And he really just seems, in this, like, I'm this fantastic. Because this is towards the height of the McConaissance that we had for the little while where he came back and he did some great roles, and then he just kind of trailed off again. You know, right now we're in, what, the Keanu-sance is what we're in right now? Or if you want to call it the Revisance, I don't know. And this was during the Meconaissance that was uh, happening at that time. So he ends up going and meeting with Sarah, which is another one of the characters from the book that has kind of a big thing. He's the head of the other company uh, that's trying to buy the place where the Dark Tower Rose is inside the books. And here he's 
He's kind of underused, but he is played uh, by Jackie Earl Haley, if you don't know, from Bad News Bears. He also was in The Watchmen. And, of course, he was the new Freddy Krueger when they did the reboot back, you know, in the 2010s. And here he's trying to find out about who has been using the portals unauthorized. Walter Paddock, to what do we owe this great honor? Someone used a portal here in your city without your knowledge. Killed the house demon. Forgive me, sire. We'll find out who this trespasser is and where he went. Already on it. Now be a good dog. Bless you, man. Boy. His shine is pure. So that's how he got through. Sure. House demons are formidable beings, but a truly powerful psychic could override it. Boy, with the shine strong enough to kill a demon? Jackpot. Sayer. Didn't two skins have trouble with the kid yesterday? Okay, so he went to the house. I forgot to mention this as well, and there's a lot of things because it just pisses me off every time I think about that fucking demon in the house. And again, we're here with, oh, a great psychic guy can kill it. And that's where he found out that the demon was dead. He picked up a piece of wood, and that's where the, the portal was, of course. And then this is the connection that they make with the Stephen King universe, is they call Jake's power... <sighs> the Shine, which, of course, you should know from Dr. Sleep and The Shining, right? It's what Danny has. That's the whole thing. And that... <sighs> it's it's so fucking stupid and ridiculous that they have to do this. They have to bring this into it. They can't just make another thing. And the other thing that they do make in reference to the books is they have written up on the walls, All Hail the King- Crimson King, which was like one of the big baddies, and he also has been involved in a bunch of Stephen King novels as well. And he was a big... He wanted to reach the tower himself, but, spoiler again, he is trapped on the tower. And we don't ever get to see him. We don't ever get to know anything about him. All it is is it's up on the wall. So if you haven't read the books and you don't know anything about it, you're going to be fucking lost when it comes to that. What does that mean? Who is that? Where is that? It's the fucking Crimson King. Look at the fuck up. You better stop the movie and figure out what's going on. And they say that he's really obsessed with him, but he's not really obsessed with him. He's just obsessed with power. He wants to be the one to be at the head of everything. He wants to be the ultimate evil in the world. And he wants the power of the Dark Tower for himself. And he pays the ultimate price trying to gain that power in the books. Right? And the Crimson King does as well. And Roland is the only one that kind of gets through. But not really. It's it's so hard not to like be like, oh, I'm going to keep spoiling shit. But it's the way that it is when it comes to this movie. Um, and you really kind of need to know a couple of these things for some things to make sense. Because you see that and you're like, oh, that must be who the man in black is. But it's not. It's not him. And everybody looks to the man in black like he's the head honcho, which he kind of is, but he kind of isn't at the same time. Uh, it's 
It's so fucking annoying. And then, again, with the whole shine thing, man, I just, I wish they didn't do that. It, yeah, I get it. You want to connect everything. And this is a way for you to do it in the Stephen King universe and Stephen King novels. Having a high psychic energy is to have the shine. And there are a lot of people that have the shine. And they just don't know that it's called the shine. And here you're going to blatantly just call it like that. You could have done something totally different. You could have just kept Jake being like, look, he was seeing these things and... There we go. But we had to put the whole thing with the mind of the child. So really, it's not necessarily the mind of a child. It's someone with a high amount of shine. It's not a person or a kid that has psychic energy, but that's the way they want to do it in this fucking movie. Instead of it just being somebody that has high psychic powers, because they get to use fucking anybody. Unless that's somebody that has to be, like, of a certain age and be manipulated in the right way. And that's why they use fucking kids, because kids don't know how to fucking use it just yet. But, of course, Jake is fucking Wunder Kid over here, and so he has access to his fucking shine, and he has, quote-unquote, true shine. So everybody else has fake fucking shine? Is that what you're telling me? Is what fucking Walter has? Is that the fucking shine? Who the fuck knows? You don't even know he's a fucking wizard in this. Did you know that? No, you just think he's some evil guy that can fucking do whatever he needs to do. Though they do call it magic and he, though we do is like forms fireballs and shit. I guess you could say he's a fucking wizard and you might have thought that. Or he's just a dude that can use fucking magic. Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck cares? Everybody just has a fucking shine, and pretty soon Jake's gonna be running around in a fucking hedge made somewhere when it's fucking cold, escaping Walter, right? Is that what we're gonna do? That we're gonna fucking take him over to the fucking manor and everything like that? Or we're we gonna have him have a fucking psychic scanner battle with somebody? No, we're just gonna have him say, let me go and kill a fucking demon. <sighs> Nonetheless, let's, let's just fucking continue on. So... We cut back over into Midworld, and we see that they've stopped for the night. They're in the forest. They're going to take, you know, uh, Jake, he gets hungry, so he's just going to start eating random fucking plants. I get it. You're a stupid fucking kid, but you should know fucking better than to just go grab a plant, see a berry, hmm, this looks fucking good, and then try to fucking eat it. Of course, Roland says, are you fucking stupid? Don't eat that shit. And so he kills a fucking rabbit for him, and they have a little bit of a heart-to-heart where we learn here in this scene that the worlds are kind of parallel because there's something that exists there that exists in our world. Good theme park, sir. These ancient structures are from before the world moved on. No one knows what they are. They're theme parks. saw you fight him. That was a field covered with bodies. That was our final stand. I lost my father that day. You saw that? Was it about the tower? The war? Yes. Let me eat your rabbit. 
So it seems like this, that's supposed to make us believe that they're bonding super quickly, right? The fact that they now both lost their father, that he saw the whole thing, that he has compassion for Roland, and Roland is like, oh, so you saw it too? You know, and then the whole theme park fucking thing, where it's like, oh yeah, that's a theme park. Oh, these are ancient structures. Oh yeah, it's a theme park. That's how we're supposed to know that these worlds are fucking connected, and that they're kind of parallel to each other, even though this world is all post-apocalyptic, because Walter has become an all-powerful fucking badass, and in our world, we're still, you know, just kind of invaded. Like, why wouldn't they just fucking go... If he's so fucking powerful, and he needs all these fucking kids, why doesn't he just come into this world and start using his power command of fucking God to go, okay, give me your kid, give me your kid, give me your kid. But no, he's a powerful, hungry fucking asshole that just doesn't want to get his fucking hands dirty unless he needs to get his fucking hands dirty. But then he doesn't even have to get his fucking hands dirty. He can just fucking tell you, go kill yourself, and you'll fucking kill yourself. I don't get it. Like, he's so powerful, yet he can't be here to get exactly what he wants, and they can't turn our world into the same post-apocalyptic world and do exactly what he needs to do. He has to slowly kidnap people by using his minions to do it when he could just tell somebody, hey, find this for me, tell a whole group of people. He just starts a fucking company like he's in Wolf of fucking Wall Street being fucking Leonardo DiCaprio and gets all the salespeople together. He goes, guys, we have quotas to fucking fill. And you know what it is? Find kids with fucking shine. That's all you gotta fucking do. I'm having this. This is my meeting with my company. I've managed to have this thing be the number one thing. I'm fucking Steve Jobs of fucking Apple. And I've controlled the fucking world. Because I told everybody to buy my fucking product. And now I'm telling everybody in the world. Use your fucking Apple Watches that I've designed to detect people with fucking shine. To go out there and find the kids that I need to destroy the fucking Dark Tower. Why doesn't he just do that? End of fucking movie, end of fucking story. But no, he has to have some fucking convoluted, some long-ass plan to just find random kids. Oh, these are the ones that might be good. And if you can find that this one fucking kid, by just one fucking guy smelling the fucking blood and finding out, hey, that guy has the most shine out of anybody, your fucking equipment can barely detect if Jake has pure fucking shine. Oh, he has potential. Come on. You gotta be that fucking stupid. It it drives me fucking mad that this is the angle that they went with this fucking story. So, we cut back over and we see that Matthew McConaughey and fucking Walter has met up with the two people that let Jake go. And he's basically interrogating them and... This is probably one of my favorite uses of his word of command in the movie towards the end of the clip. It's such an honor to meet you in person, sir. What brings you here? How may we serve him? Well, I hear you lost a kid. It, it wasn't our fault. It was almost as if the child knew what we were. We're doing everything we can. Name, to location. It's all in here. Show, folks. You ain't seen nothing yet. 
See what I fucking mean? This fucking proves it for me. Because he tells those two to kill each other, and they start fucking killing each other, right? And then everybody in the fucking restaurant that he's in, or the little diner or whatever, they all look in horror. And they look over, and he's just like, oh, nope, everybody be okay. Just enjoy the show. And then the fucking birds come down and they fucking watch. And then it's like a fucking Disney princess. He's fucking Walter the Disney princess. Walking around, birds on his shoulder, fucking squirrels traveling at his feet, all dancing and jumping. I'm wondering if they're going to get into a fucking dance number in a bit. And then we're going to learn about how to be the best wizard in the world. Gotta be the best. Gotta be the best. Oh wait, that's just the movie I want in my mind. No, that would make a better fucking movie than this movie, let me tell you. But it's... Why does he wait so long to do this fucking shit? He could have just done this... Hey, guys, find me who Jake Chambers is. Okay. That's it. That's all he had to have to do at this point. Just tell somebody, find me Jake. Find out who he is. Tell me where he is. Tell me who his parents are. Tell me who his goddaughter is. Like, whatever he needs to do to find out about this guy, he could get him, and then he could probably capture him on his own. But, of course, he doesn't. He leaves his little minions to do everything. Uh, Well, kind of, but we're going to see what happens in a little bit. We cut back over, and we see that Roland and Jake, again, are kind of having another bonding moment. But Roland kind of describes the importance of the Dark Tower to Jake. I just don't know what this is. It's a map. My father showed me a, a map like this once. Inside the circle is your world and my world. Many others. No one knows how many. The Dark Tower stands in the center of all things. And it stood there from the beginning of time. And it sends out powerful energy that protects the universe. Shields us from what's outside. What do you mean outside? What's outside the universe? Outside is endless darkness. Full of demons trying to get to us. Walter wants to tear down the tower and let them in. When the tower falls, you'll rule in a world full of monsters. But you're trying to stop him, aren't you? To protect the tower. I've seen them try to destroy it. If we could just get there... There is no we, Jake. All that matters to me is that I find and kill Walter. That's it. So they're kind of going off the gunslinger here, right? The whole thing that he had the entire time that they were traveling was that he needed to meet up with Walter, and it doesn't matter what kind of happens to Jake, at least in the beginning of the book, that, you know, he as long as he gets there and Jake is just kind of coming along for the ride. That's kind of like the basic of that, like storyline right there's a lot more that's happening in the eventuality that the two of them bond really well and then when jake does finally die in that book you know spoiled or it's not gonna spoil this movie but again this is a book from 1977 and you should have fucking read this book before uh maybe i'm getting the year wrong but i know it's in the 70s uh but nonetheless 
Like, you feel for the character when stuff happens. Here, it's still like Roland's really trying to push himself away. There's no reason why they need to go out to the Dark Tower. He just wants to kill the Man in Black, and that is his only fucking motivation. And Jake is still thinking that there's some good in him, and that we've got to do more than just do this, because... You know, I'm the altruistic one that's been dreaming of this stuff, and we need to protect the world, though he just fucking learned about everything that's there. Maybe this is like childish naivete or something like that, but it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me why we're not just kind of watching them grow in the adventure that they're going on, but they're not really growing together. They're still kind of at odds because Roland keeps pushing him away. So they go to sleep for the night, and then in the middle of the night, Jake wakes up because he hears some noises, and at one point, I think he does hear the seer say the lines from the Dark Tower, and he ends up walking, uh, or the gunslinger, I should say, and then he ends up walking into the forest where he sees his dad. And, of course, that's not going to be his dad, and his dad actually looks like the guy that... (laughs) Walter set on fire during an earlier scene, but I don't think it's him. Uh, but he does approach him, and eventually, you know, uh, Roland wakes up as well, follows after Jake, notices that he's talking to nothing, and then when Jake reaches out his hand to grab the hand of his father, it turns into a giant fucking wall of death. Like, it looks like if you guys have ever played Final Fantasy 2 slash Final Fantasy 4, uh, the big wall that comes and attacks you in the, the Cave of Ruins that's down there, uh, the demon wall, is what it looks like. It's just giant red with all these demons. It actually looks really cool, but it's what they call a tear, right? And it's the tear into our world from the world of darkness every time that tower gets hit. And that's kind of what woke him up too, was that the tower got attacked once again, and the earthquake happened in that world, and he went out looking. So Roland, he fires back at the at the big tear of darkness, and eventually it turns into his father, who tries to coerce him too, but he lays a couple of bullets into his father. It turns out that the tear now goes away, and everything seems good, but there's something still around. It's okay. It's gone. My dad was in there. No, I sense your weakness. Create illusions to distract you. I wasn't anybody you know. I'm sorry. That was just a small tear. They happened after every attack on the tower. Those things. They're what's coming if the tower falls, aren't they? Yes. But if you find that place where they're keeping the kids, we could... Shh, shh, shh. What? Someone got out. And that's when this xenomorph-looking motherfucker goes and attacks Roland and basically pins him to a tree. It is an okay design. I really did enjoy the tear because you can see all the different demons that are kind of walking along the walls of what the red thing is. And eventually this one does get out and it looks really generic. It really does just look like a xenomorph without the giant fucking head. And it stabs him on the like into a tree. And what I do like is that a piece of it's left and keeps him propped up to the tree as it goes after Jake. Jake's first instinct, though, is to go after the gun and try to save Roland, but eventually he runs off because he knows he can't fucking fight it. 
Roland pulls the thing out of him, then goes after the demon and ends up killing it and killing the piece that was still stuck to him that stuck him onto the tree. He's now injured and they've got to rush to basically the, the camp or the city that they're trying to find with the seer. Now we cut back over and we see that, you know, well, we run into mom and stepdad and they're arguing about Jake because they still can't fucking find him and they know that he's got to be out there somewhere and that's when somebody is in the kitchen making some chicken. We're going to find him, Lori. We fill out every form they have his picture. I hope you don't mind me making myself at home. Where I come from, we don't have chicken. Who the hell are you? Oh, you know me, Lon. You're the one that called me here. Not by the telephone, but with your every desire to get rid of the brat. All in the hope that mommy there might love you best. But you'll always be a seat filler, Lon. <laughs> get out of shoe right now. It's a mad from Jake's drawing. Drawings. Stop breathing. Quiet. So poor dear old stepdad has now dropped dead on the ground. Uh, again, by just saying stop breathing, he's fucking down. Uh, and then as she goes to yell, he tells her to quiet, and then everything quiets down, and she just looks at him. And this is the first time I think anybody in this movie has really shown any type of emotion, because she honestly looks shit-scared. Like, <laughs> scared out of her fucking mind. Her pants have now filled up with something brown and liquidy, and that's not very good for her, because that's probably going to leave a stain. Uh, though, she's probably going to leave a stain herself in just a moment. So he ta asks her to take her to the bedroom, uh, not in that way, but the bedroom of Jake, and that's where he looks around the room and he doesn't see anything, but he asks her to show him. And then she basically gives him, like, she gives him a vision, and you see everything that Jake's done, and eventually you see him drawing Roland, and then he looks over his shoulders, ah, that's what it is. And realizes that this kid really does have a really high shine. And, of course, that's when he lets the mom have it as well. Though, we don't know, you know, exactly what he does to her at this moment in the film. This son of yours is quite special, isn't he? The music does a really good job of emphasizing the scene and exactly what Walter is doing to her. And it's moments like this that McConaughey's performance is really good. Uh, you, again, it's it's laughable and, and just some things for me, and it's really hard to keep a straight face with a lot of this stuff. And, and sometimes it's really over the top. But in this, 
it's perfectly subtle in an evil way. It's the music, I believe, in the scene that makes it more evil than it needs to be. But he honestly is just a bad guy. And maybe that's why I kind of like this Walter in this film as it goes on. Like, in the beginning, I was just like, oh, it's kind of cheesy. Uh, okay. And he gets those little weird one-liners that he's got in. Like, the, the whole thing when he tells them to fight to the death. And then he tells the crowd to just, just enjoy the show. It's those scenes, like, that are kind of like, okay... I get it. He's kind of having fun with it. And then you have here where it really looks like he's having fun with this character. And then it's well done. And then you got scenes toward the end of the movie that are just so terrible that you're just like, okay. Like, you did so well. You do so well in the talkies. But you don't do so well in the actionies. If you catch my drift. (laughs) I'm getting on here. But I really do like this scene. I like the way that it's set up. I like how he's sitting there. He's just cooking the chicken. And in one of the bloopers that they had for it, he can't get the goddamn, like, he takes off the apron and he can't get it off. He's like, oh, somebody tied a really tight knot. And that's like the way he did. But he does it in Walter's, like, speak. So he's, like, being super evil about the fact, like, I'm going to kick somebody's ass. But I think that's him not trying to break character and not trying to laugh because he can't get the goddamn apron off, right? But here... The, the whole setup for that and just like, you know, well, they don't have chicken where I'm at, so I hope you're okay that I'm making this because I really like fucking chicken. And then just kills the stepdad and then makes her do this stuff. And then as he's like just inspecting everything and he's watching and that glimmer of hope that gets in his eyes, he sees Roland like on the piece of paper and he realizes how powerful Jake really is. And then he scolds the mom by like, you didn't believe him. You know, and it seems like he knew everything. He knows everything that's going on. The fact that they tried to send him to an insane asylum and all this stuff because the kid wasn't, you know, normal, at least at that point. And she was trying to both save him and her marriage because she thought her kid was really fucking insane, at least a little bit. And he's just like, you know, shame on you because the kid was right the entire fucking time. I'm fucking evil, and you're going to have to fucking pay for this instead. So, it's a well-done scene, and it's good dialogue for this scene. It's just, you know, well, I guess I could say this is one of the highlights of the movie that, that we've got here, as well as some of the other scenes that will be coming up as well. Now we switch back over to Roland and Jake, out in Midworld, and they've come across a village, and now when they get there, they're basically... Kind of giving him the what for about seeing the seer. Long days, pleasant nights. May you have twice that number. I haven't seen one of your kind since I was a young man. Seeing you here alive. Who's your strongest seer? That would be me. I'm Aura. The boy here has visions of this place. I need to know where it is. Man in black. We managed to do some serious damage, sir, but it didn't fall. None of that matters. I found the one. This kid's going to bring down the tower all by his lonesome. Where is this child? He's here, on Midworld. Looking for an old friend of mine, Roland of Eld. Wait, I thought all the gunslingers were dead. 
Roland's always had an annoying ability to resist my magics. So I basically killed everyone he ever cared about. Last I heard, he was roaming the Mohane aimlessly. That's where the boy's going. Mohane Desert, isn't Vast. that? Vast, yes. And so is this boy's shine. I'll send our trackers in the region, sir. So he's going to send everybody after them. And then he's trying to get the Roland and Jake are trying to get the help that they need. It's kind of neat because he pulls out the bullet. Like he kept the bullet that Roland shot at him right before he left. And after he killed his father and he, when he shoots it at him, he catches it. Right. Cause he can't fucking kill him. Like neither can kill each other. Like he can't use his magics, and because Roland doesn't fight the way of the gunslinger against him, he can't kill him either. Because all he has is vengeance in his fucking heart. So he kept the bullet as a reminder of the relationship that the two of them have. I think that's kind of neat that they did that and showing that they're kind of the yin and yang of each other, right? Roland, though he's not necessarily good, he's kind of our good guy. But again. We don't, this is one of those things where we spend a lot more time with the man in black because, hey, honestly, it's probably the best character that this movie has up to this point. And two, we spend a ton of time with Jake, who's probably one of the worst characters that we have in this movie. We don't get enough of Roland. All we know is Roland is kind of a guy that just wants revenge. His father died. Everybody around him died. And it's all due to the man in black. Uh, but that's about it. There's not a whole lot of character development for him. And there's even less as we kind of see everything change with him. So it's kind of odd that this is the scene that kind of connects us to these two characters. Like, and makes us reflect on Roland and what he's gone through. But really, it it's meant, I feel like Roland in this movie is more meant for those that already have an established connection with him, right? Jake, you also should have an established connection with him. But they're forcing him to be our main character of this movie, and it's more like Jake against Walter than it is Roland against Walter. And I feel that if we had starred the movie from the point where, you know, Walter killed his father we'd have a better connection to Roland. And that's the problem with the character. It's not acted bad. And it's not that he doesn't kind of fit it. It's just that it's such a paper-thin version of Roland that it pisses me off. So rather than dwell on that for a little bit, let's continue on with the movie. And basically we see that you know Roland's getting a little bit of medical help for what's going on with him, but the infection, they really don't have anything to stop the damage that's going to be done to him. So, But Roland doesn't really care because he says, I can take it, but he really needs to know more about what the boy's drawn. Thank you, Sai. You've come all the way from Keystone Earth to find him. His shine is beyond anything I've ever seen. Shine? Psychic powers. Very few are born with this gift. Often the power is so slight, people don't even know they have it. Your shine burns so brightly, Jake. You have potential I can't even begin to understand. Oh. Her voice is in my head. Your gift is extraordinary, Jake. It made you see across worlds. 
The drawing. What about the drawing? Concentrate. Share your visions with me. Open up. Six months of travel. But you can get me there faster than that. The man in black and his men keep track of all portal travel. I need to get there. Portals? We couldn't help you even if we wanted to. The only way to access their territories is from one of their own bases. Then I'll make it on foot. Wait. The fake skins. They take kids from different worlds, right? They try to take me from New York. Doesn't that mean that they have... They have a base there. With a portal that can take me right to this place. They're gonna send us to Keystone Earth. Okay, so now the cities themselves have fucking portals. This place has a fucking portal. They're not just like these special fucking things that just kind of either are just magically represented in hidden spots. Everybody just has a fucking portal. Doesn't matter where it is. Hey, where are you going today, Joe? Aren't you supposed to be at your interview over... Weren't you supposed to be there like two days ago? You know, you should have flown ready to fucking New York. No, don't worry. I got a portal. I'll be there like lickety split. This is like somebody writing the fucking it everywhere and fucking having some shit jammed up their ass so they can travel fast without having to fly through the airlines. It's... So fucking ridiculous that it, uh, we can't use it because, oh boy, it, th- that's what's coming up. Uh, just So again, Roland, he just got a fucking boner because he realizes that he can fucking go as fast as he needs to. First, he's like, oh fuck, it's six months to get there? There's no way the fucking world's going to be destroyed. Little do they know, Walter's sending their goons, so the goons would have been able to take him to the place uh, relatively quick. But of course, this place they get to has a portal, like, readily available, too. You know, they just happened to stumble upon the one village, unless Roland knew that it was really there, because I guess everybody in this world knows where these portals are, except for fucking, you know, random guy number one. You know, there's probably somebody in the village that's just like, we had a fucking portal? What the fuck is a portal? I don't know what that fucking thing is. So, they're going to prepare for everybody to go through, and so they have a dinner the next night before they're about to leave, and that's where we get a little more backstory about Roland and kind of the whole thing with the world. And the, again, we get a little bit of the book there because we finally get some of the language of the world when they say thank you, Psy, which is just the, you know, it shows him respect by using the Psy stuff at the end of it. And it's just, it's just thrown in there, okay? Again, it's like an Easter egg for people that have read the book but I really wish they had used a lot more of the language of the fucking books rather than just fucking doing whatever they do. We're going to do it as a fucking Easter egg. But let's go ahead and listen to a little more backstory and how Roland really views the world now. 
We're diverting power to the generators. The portal will be ready shortly. Do they have guns in your world? Yeah. And bullets? Are they as rare as they are here? You're gonna like Earth a lot. We agreed we'd never use the portal unless the village was in danger. They will find out we have it and they'll come. We can't disobey a gunslinger. It's the law. How do you know what he is? Aura. You must have read him. What do you see? He's Roland of Gilead. Last of the line of Eld. But the man in black has his soul in his pocket. And his heart's consumed by vengeance. He's not a gunslinger. Not anymore. Or would you tell us differently? Only a god would lie to a seer. You dishonor your ancestors. The gunslingers have sworn an oath to defend the town. Look around you. The war is over when we lost. If you left your little haven, you'd see that for yourself. The darkness is everywhere. And trying to fight against it accomplishes nothing. I was fighting to defend the tower before most of you were even born. There's always a battle. Always. Or no more. Isn't that why we're losing? Because everyone stopped believing. As long as the darkness is out there. The tower will fall. And before that happens, I will get my revenge. So all he really does care about is his fucking revenge. That's it. There's nothing else that he cares about. The world can fucking die. Don't give a shit about the tower. I just want to make sure that I go over there and kill this motherfucker before everything else is fucking dead. Like, I, I just don't remember that. I just... Remember that, yeah, if they're chasing after this, that there's something with the Dark Tower. That's where the journey is too, to find out what is going on with the fucking Dark Tower and if they can save the world with his quartet. That's it. They keep traveling towards it because he believes that Walter is fucking dead. We learn later on that he's not really fucking dead and that he's pulling more strings behind the scenes, but it's about good versus evil and not just revenge. That's it. It's like in this one, he's got to remember how to be the good guy once again. That's where we're set in this fucking world. And, you know, maybe, and there could be things, because it's been, again, a while since I read The Gunslinger, and there could be parts of that where that is kind of what he's doing, because really he is just kind of following out after Walter, and he does kind of change over time in the book, but... It's about what he did to him and his family, not necessarily because, oh, I just killed your father and that's it. And all the other people, I don't give a shit about the world anymore. Yeah, there is a revenge involved, but it's not to this extreme in my recollection of the book. I could be totally wrong, and it could be a lot of that. But maybe because I'm also thinking about all the other books and everything else. And again, it just kind of puts him in this fucking just little box of a character and doesn't give him any like room to fucking grow and be better and that's something that you, you can't do in a fucking 90 minute movie 
or you could have done if you were meaning for this to be more, but you've decided to focus on fucking Jake and making sure that you knew that the man in black was fucking evil. So, nonetheless, he kind of goes off to the side. Jake still believes in him. He's like, look, he's still a good guy. He's still a gunslinger. He can do this stuff. And then, all of a sudden, some of the bad guys, it's like the fucking Uruk-Kai have shown up. Like, the orcs are here, and they start fucking with things in the village, and they break the generator as they're powering it up. And that, you know, they go over there, they see the dead body, and he's like, can he fix this? Like, yeah, we have the parts. And then all of a sudden, the village is attacked. And there's the slowest fucking action scene that I have seen. There are cool things that are going on. But because Roland is weakened by the fucking infection that's taking over his fucking arm, he is slow to react to everything, even though he's just doing badass fucking things. You know, there's one point where they throw something at him. And he shoots at it, and he deflects it with the fucking gun. Like, the bullet of the gun stops an axe from, like, flying out him. And people are just jumping, and he's just one-shotting everybody. He's got limited amount of bullets, and he knows how to use every one. So he still has the skills of a gunslinger. He's just, even when he's fucking weakened, it's pretty badass, but it's slow as all hell. There's this one girl that keeps giving Jake these googly eyes through the whole thing. And that, again, is like, if he's 11, she looks like she's fucking 17. And she's hitting on an 11-year-old. And so there's no way that he could be fucking 11 in this. Because she's obviously trying to be like, I think you're cute. And I have an attraction to you. And he has an attraction to her. And she gets in trouble because she's trying to save her sheep. And Jake fucking saves her instead of hiding out in the corn like he's supposed to. And then, you know, eventually get to that scene after he saved her and got her away from danger that he gets kidnapped by one of the the two skin guys. And that's where you get that thing from the trailer where he starts reciting. No, he doesn't recite anything, but he has everything like he shuts out all his senses except for hearing. And the seer's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, stop, I got this. And that's where he detects where the bad guy is. He fires the bullet, the one bullet, shoots it through a bunch of stuff, and shoots the thing in the head. And this is one of those things where it's hurt by, I feel like, the PG-13 rating. Like, there could have been a lot cooler things they did. Instead, you see guys just get shot. And yeah, there's a little bit of blood, but you don't really see anything really graphic. It's like one small shot, and they're just fucking done with, and that's fucking it. So, it's... It's like, uh, and I know King said that he kind of wished that it was rated R, and that if there was a sequel that was going to come to this, that that sequel be rated R rather than this PG-13 thing that they've got going on, because he'd like to see the lobstrosities, and I'd fucking love to see the lobstrosities as well, because that was probably one of my favorite scenes in the uh, drawing of three, uh, even though it's kind of gross, but hey, it is what it is, uh, and. <laughs> It's funny, too, because what happens to him in that book, the lobstropsies take off pieces of his hand, uh, right, with their claws, and it made me think my grandfather, because, long story short, my grandfather used to work for the cannery here in Hayward, and he got his hand stuck in one of the machines, and it took off his ring finger and his pinky finger on his left hand. So he only had his middle finger and his index finger and his thumb, 
And so when I read the book, I used to think of my grandfather, and my grandfather loved fucking westerns too. And so I always used to put my grandfather in the role of Roland. Like after that, like when I thought about it in the book and what Roland looked like, until I saw a picture, one of the drawn images that they had in the books. But I always put my grandfather as that role, which is weird and kind of cool at the same time. Except for when th- other things happened later on in the book, then I used the image of Roland instead of my grandfather uh, in the book because I don't need to see that shit. But nonetheless, he you, it's. It's an interesting scene. It's a little bit longer than it needs to be. But where I feel that the movie failed me, and it's not the movie that failed me. I'd say it's the producers or the trailer maker, is that they included the scene basically in the trailer. They were like, this is a badass scene. We need to get people interested in this movie. So we're going to put this in the movie. If I had seen this fresh, regardless of how boring this scene was... That would have been fucking cool. It would have been awesome to fucking see him do this whole thing and to, to blow the guy away with one shot and everything quiet down. But instead, we got a kind of sped up version of what this was inside the, uh, the trailer of the movie. And it ruined this scene for me. So now that he's rescued Jake, they're going to go through the portal uh, after they got everything back up. And he's now in New York City with Jake. And where's the first place they take him? They take him to the hospital because he needs to get help. They need some type of medicine or else Roland's not going to make it through. And so he tells Roland, just, you know, let me do all the talking. And that's where we get this kind of funny scene where we get we get a product placement of a Geico commercial, which leads to something funny from Roland. And then, of course, the doctors come and talk to the guy from another world. Do the animals here still speak? What? No, that's a commercial. What do you mean by still? He's in here. Mr. Duchesne. I see the antibiotics are kicking in. On a scale of 1 to 10, how bad is your pain? Okay. You were in very bad shape. I'm surprised you're even sitting up. I'm stronger than most. <laughs> Give that sentiment a lot. So, aside from your infection and the wound from the costume party incident, we also found traces of hepatitis A, B, E, and chronic radiation sickness. Have you traveled overseas in the past couple of months? No. I've been here on Keystone Earth. So am I cured or not? We're going to keep you here for the night to monitor your progress. Maybe tomorrow afternoon we can... No. What are you doing? No. What are you I doing? can't we stay need here. to get back on that. Mr. Deshane, you need Clear to... Clear services. Uh, what? May your days be long. Yeah, you need to get back on that. Mr. Deshane. Bring my guns. So, it's... It's interesting in the beginning of the scene where they, it's the talking raccoon commercial where they're looking through the garbage like, man, have you tried this? No, that's garbage. Why would I want it? Man, but it's really good. You got to try this. Oh, no, it, was, it tastes weird. Got to try this. Whatever that commercial was from fucking Geico. And it, it's, he looks at it and the, the funny line that they have is, do animals still talk in your world? And Jake's like, still? You know, so I, I get it. Fish out of water, those type of things. Of course, they're funny for an extent. 
you know, and there's another pretty good one towards the end that got me, kind of made me laugh a little bit uh, for the joke. But it's, uh, actually, there's a couple. And they all go around fucking product placement, except for the last one. But nonetheless, this the interaction between him and the Doctors is kind of a lighthearted moment. And it's kind of nice in this film where everything's been relatively serious and nothing has had... Like, this is what some people would call the quote-unquote Marvel moment of the movie, where the movies are still pretty serious, but you've always got your wise-talking fucking Iron Man coming in there and making a couple jokes, even though the whole situation, just to lighten the mood for a bit before you go on to more serious stuff. And, you know, it's, it's okay. It plays out okay. It plays to Roland's character. I like that he gives him a gold coin, and he's like, here for your troubles. And they're like, what the fuck do I do with this? You know, it's a fucking random gold coin. But he gets all his medication, he starts feeling a lot better, and that's where they get on the bus to go towards the next place uh, and figure out what they're going to be doing next. Uh, these are painkillers and vitamins. You only want to take one or two at a time. Hey, cutie. Can we join the party? <laughs> you have both forgotten the faces of your fathers. Probably shouldn't talk to people here. What is this? Sugar. How are we gonna find the portal? New York's a pretty big place. I don't know. I just can't let Walton know how I'm coming for. So it's. <sighs> It's funny and it's terrible at the same time because you have the girls on the bus and they're acting like, hey, you want a party? And it's obviously that they're probably prostitutes. And then he looks at them and you're like, you forgot the faces of your father. <laughs> it's like, put on some clothes and, and be nice. You know, okay, it's kind of funny. It's kind of also, you know, odd that it's in the movie, but it's the way that it is. And then you have the product placement thing with the fucking Coke. You know, he hands him a Coke. It's obviously a Coke. And he's like, mm, this is really good. What's this? And he's like, it's sugar. Oh, I quite like this sugar. It's brown and Coke flavored. Do you have something like this back home? Mmm, Coke. It's so good. But it's just, and again, this is almost like we're going through like the Crocodile Dundee phase of the movie. He's now here in Los Angeles. He doesn't have the things that he has back in Australia or Midworld. And all of a sudden he's being introduced to everything. Even though, you know, it is just a parallel version of our world that's fucked up. They have some of these things there. You know, they probably have beer, wine, whatever it is. I know in their version of Kansas, they've got some type of weird cola that's... I forgot what it is off the top of my head, but I remember it was like the prime drink of the place, which is also in the stand for some reason. Um, but it's, again, it's weird that you go from one fish out of water scene to yet another one so quickly. But Jake gets the idea by riding on the bus that they need to go over and see somebody, and that happens to be the guy that stopped him earlier in the film to tell him that the people are stealing, you know, kids. And that their two skins are fucking real because Jake sees them and he looks like a disheveled homeless man, but he sees them too. But before we go over and meet up with that guy, we cut back real fast to Midworld and we see that the man in black has 
gotten to the village and he needs to really find out where they are because again the two skins fucked up and instead of doing what he should have done a long time ago what he should have been doing this whole fucking time is just doing shit himself he goes to find the seer and get some information out of her there's nothing to be scared of i promise you whatever happens you'll be at peace you'll be a seer who lies worst kind I like you already come now goodbye talk don't fight it where did he take the boy chambers yes where Great, so now he knows where Jake's at and he can go after him and do what he needs to do and totally get involved this time. Like I said, like he should have done the entire fucking movie. And so from here, we cut back over to Jake and Roland. I do find that scene pretty good and I like how she tries to fight back everything and she has some power that's going on and eventually she can't fight back enough because she starts bleeding from her face trying to control the whole word of God but of course she knows that this is going to be it so she speaks a little bit and she holds back but not enough and he gets just the right information that he needs from her to kill her off and then we move over to Jake and the Roland man uh, as they go up and they find the guy, the homeless guy. And this is where we get a little bit of a couple of different little scenes that are going on here because I didn't want to cut them up into three separate short scenes. So I just left them as one little bit longer scene that's there. So we're going to see them meet. We're going to go back to the man in black for just a moment. And then we're going to go over and we're going to find out the beginning when Jake actually figures out what has happened to his mom. Hey, remember me? You said they were crossing over kids. You were one of them, weren't you? I lost it. The shine. Which way did they take you through? Do you remember? You have to run. Portal, door. It's almost over. Anything, please. It's almost over. It's almost over. It's almost over. It's almost over. Hear me, hear me. Remember, show me. They can track the shine. Okay? They know what you are. Gunslinger. Go. Should have enough to find it. Just gotta get home and do some research. You're home? Yeah, I gotta let my mom know I'm okay. We have trackers spread throughout the city. There's no trace of them yet, sir. A couple of small spikes, but not enough to hone in on. Oh, don't you worry, Dickie boy. I've got you covered. Sir? I left a surprise for our little friend. Just be ready. You should probably wait here. Dude, where the hell have you been? Timmy. Um, Who's that? I'll tell you later. How's mom and Lon? Now you're freaking out. They haven't been home since yesterday. Mom. 
So Jake runs inside to go find out what exactly has happened to both his stepdad and his mom, and it's definitely not a good thing. I like the little scene that we see in between with the man in black, because he knows the only way that he's truly going to find him is that if Jake uses his shine. So he set up a nice little trap for Jake, and that happens to be the death of his mother. So when Jake runs inside, he sees his stepfather just dead on the ground. And so he runs around the house trying to see where his mom is, and when he goes into his bedroom, remember the stain I said she was going to leave earlier? Well, it's there on the floor because the man in black had him burn, or had her burned to a fucking crisp so it's really this is probably the best acted scene of the guy that plays jake the kid that plays jake in the entire movie and i really like the way that idris elba does the scene as roland here because this scene really feels like roland and overall i still feel that he feels like roland he's just not he's like a paper thin i've said this a lot he's a paper thin version of the character right whereas in this scene here this truly is that relationship between the two of them it is almost like the scene in the gunslinger where he has to let jake die like and he tries to let him go and like basically say you know, this is the way to, he doesn't want to let him go, but he knows that he has to. And here in this scene, you you kind of hear it in the way that he does his voice and what he says directly to Jake. Basically that, look, I know that there's a lot of pain that's going through you right now because you are seeing images. He sees on the wall and it's just like there's something that he's written up there to taunt Jake to basically use and see exactly what he sees. But... Roland does a really good job of talking Jake down from seeing everything. No. 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 Don't make it quick. Jake. No. No, Jake. Don't see it. That's what he wants. He's tracking you. He's <laughs> Close your mind. Close your mind. Let the pain run through you, Jake. He killed her. I know. I know. Come here. Okay, I have to laugh a little bit just at the way the scene's done because he's like, he killed her. And he's like, I know. Like, of course you know. There's a giant fucking burn stain on the fucking floor. You saw the dead guy that you think is his dad, but it's really his stepdad, right? Because Roland doesn't know. He doesn't know that his dad was a firefighter and he died earlier trying to fight a fire. And he just sees that there's a dead guy and he's like, oh crap, he killed his dad. So that means his mom must be dead too. And then he goes over there and his mom <laughs> has been turned to a black spot on the fucking floor. And it's, it looks... It looks painful on Jake as you're watching this scene. And like I said, it's maybe not necessarily the best acted scene, but it's the best scene for him. And you really do see the pain on his face as he's trying to fight back that pain and not use his visions to see exactly what happened to his mom in this scene. And it's really fucking terrible that this was the thing that was going to put him over the edge to make sure that he was able to fucking find him. And ultimately, 
It kind of is, because they're able to detect him right away after this is done and figure out where he's going to be because he did use some of it and enough of it, I guess, to find out and follow him to wherever he's going to go. So from here, we jump up onto the roof and we see them talking. And Roland tries to comfort him the best way that he knows how. Now, I did a little cutting in this, so it might have a weird little jump because I just didn't want you to listen to this long-ass, basically, musical number that was, you know, in between one piece of dialogue to the point where we have the only fucking bonding scene. The true bonding scene. This is what now gets these two to be, like, the best of friends, like the, the start of the quartet is going into, and which we don't even know that's what this is, but that's where we get it in the beginning of the final act of the movie. I will kill him. Both of us. What about the tower? My mom died so you could have your revenge. Maybe your world is almost gone, but mine isn't. You said it yourself. As long as the darkness is out there, the tower's always in danger. You know, they were right. You're not a gunslinger. Here. It's called the Dixie Pig. Some Plymouth and Pearl. When I was younger, I would recite the gunslinger's creed. It calms the heart and the mind. I haven't spoken it for years. of his father. I aim with my eye. I do not shoot with my hand. He who shoots with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. I shoot with my mind. Forgotten the face of his father. Not while the tower still stands. Not while you still stand. I kill with my heart. I kill with my heart. That's good. Your shine is your weapon, Jake. The guns are mine. So, basically, this is his initiation into being a gunslinger, right? 
that's the oath that everybody takes when they finally become one, and that's the creed that everybody lives by. I do really like the scene. I like the way that it plays out, but I feel like this is just way too late into the movie to be getting this, right? This is our final bonding scene in which makes them connected to each other for the rest of the movie. Everything else that's leading up to this, and it helps Roland realize that he's totally forgot what he was, and he's let everything consume him. Not quite. We get one more where he truly finally becomes the gunslinger that he needs to be, and of course it's going to be during the final big climactic fight, between him and the man in black because we all know that it's going to be fucking coming up anyway and that's how they're going to fucking end the movie right like that's no surprise to anybody and if it was a surprise to you uh i've got a bridge in san francisco that i can fucking sell you right now it's good money it's a little old it's a little red it has these little like nets to make sure people don't jump off and commit suicide but it's not very much used right now so you can get a really good deal from me and it can help me buy a kk can't really fucking help me buy a house over here. Um, it can rent me, let me rent a really nice apartment. Let's just say that. So, you have this heartfelt scene. I like at the beginning of the scene, too, because all he knows is fucking vengeance. And he's just like, to make him feel better, don't worry. I'll get vengeance for your mom and for myself. That's going to make you feel better, right? And I like that Jake gives the quip back to him. He's like, do you really think... That's what's going to solve this? Like, my mom died for your vengeance. We're still not going after the Dark Tower. I want her death to be fucking worth something. And that's what makes him have this fucking change of heart and realize that he's fucking wrong and that, you know what, his, like, eagerness to go after the gun was the best thing and that he could really be a, a gunslinger. But unlike the books where he really does get his own set of fucking guns and becomes a badass fucking gunslinger, he tells him, you know what? Guns are my weapon. <laughs> Your fucking psychic ability, that's yours. Ha <laughs> ha, fuck off. Like, even though he taught him to shoot, it's just like... Let's go get you some guns. Like, that should have been it. Like, you know what? You need your own weapons because you're looking good to be a pretty good gunslinger later on. As soon as we refine this for you. Because he's able to control himself. I think that's what they're trying to say in this scene. Is that his psychic ability is allowing him to control that gun really well. Though he's never really fucking shot anything. And he's reciting the pledge. Because even though Roland doesn't know that he has like heard this already in a dream before, and he's retained it. So uh, maybe that's it, or maybe it just is, you know what, you'll eventually do well, but you're a better psychic warrior than you are a fucking gunslinger. Let's leave it at that. So from here on, they go over to the gun store to go get some ammo, and it's it's really ridiculous, because when they go in there, and it seems like they're going to go get the bullets. But he basically holds up at the store for the fucking bullets. And that's when somebody else very special shows up. Can I help you fellas? Hey. 45 caliber bullets. Uh, I only have... I'll take them all. Just do what he says. He won't hurt you. I don't want any trouble. Well, then you're smarter than most. Hurry up. Gunslinger. Did you miss me? Well, I guess you did. Roland! 
finally found a compass, yet you still came to me, because I'm your only destination, Roland. Fire away. It's not me! I'm not doing this! First, you want to save the tower. Then you want to kill the man in black. You were like a dog fetching a stick over and over. You tell the kid what happened to the old crew. You tell him that everyone that walked with you dies by my hand. Not this time. Your soft-skinned mother. Your gunslinger friend. Face me. Your whimpering excuse for a dad. Stop hiding behind your magic and face me, Walter! We both know that no matter who crosses the finish line first, the universe will die out eventually. Death always wins. That's the deal. So, again, this is a pretty good scene, and I like the way that they interact with each other. It really does show the long-standing feud between the two of them, right? So, you have them break into the place. Well, not break into the place, but go into the place, hold the guy up for weapons, try to leave. The guy is probably going to call the police, and they're going to come after them. Luckily, Walter stops that entirely by convincing the guy behind the counter to start attacking Roland. And I love that line that he says, miss me, and then he fires and it goes right through him. He's like, I guess he did. It's a fucking cool line. I don't care. The rest of the movie completely fucking pisses me off, but that's pretty fucking good. Okay, it made me laugh. It made me smile. It's making me fucking smile right now because I think that fits that character really well and the relationship that the two of them have. It's perfect. And we see that, you know... Walter, he's holding this sphere and he's talking through the sphere and that's what he's doing. He's basically just projecting himself and Roland realizes that and that's why he yells at him, you know, face me, stop using your fucking magic. And you get another good line from him too. He says, doesn't matter which side comes out on top, death always wins. That's it. It's, it's inevitable that it doesn't matter if you go and you save the dark tower and you stop all this from happening because eventually death is just going to come for everybody and it's not going to matter what you did and there's somebody i kind of take it this way that somebody's either going to continue to take my place even after i've died or somebody's going to you know take over what you're trying to do and fight for futility because eventually death's going to come for anybody it's going to come for everybody so it's it's a pretty well done scene and it kind of starts setting us up towards the end. We see that Jake outside he's been captured by the two skins and he's been taken over to the base that they have where Sayer is, right? And this is where we got the we get the final battle of everything that's going to be going on for the rest of the film. We see that Walter has now met up finally with Jake, uses his little Apple Watch thing to basically figure out, yes, he's the real deal. Even though everybody and their fucking mom has told him that he has pure shine and he doesn't believe them. He's got to use this little fucking gadget to figure everything out. Oh, okay. Yeah, everything looks great. Meanwhile, on the outside, 
we have Roland getting ready to basically storm the whole place with all of his guns and ammo. Well, his two guns, I should say. And the shit ton of ammo he fucking stole. And he manages to pick off a bunch of people as silently as possible while basically... He doesn't shoot them. He takes them out with knives. Where did he get the fucking knife from? I haven't seen him use that for the entire fucking movie. All he's done is use fucking guns. And now he's got his fucking knife. So when he needs to be stealth, he has ways of doing stealth, I guess. I guess that's one of the perks that he fucking assigned to himself. Is make sure that he shanks motherfuckers when he needs to. So he goes in and you actually get probably the best action sequence in the movie. And again, a lot of it is ruined by the trailer. Because a lot of the cool gunslinger stuff you get to see. Right? He goes in there basically guns blazing and starts taking out everybody constantly. How he reloads is absolutely fucking insane. But again, it's in the trailer. So you don't get anything new, right? Except for a couple of ways they takes a couple of the guys out and how he finally takes out Sayer, which is really fucking ridiculous as it is. So He goes in there, he shoots, he does the reloading where he throws the stuff up in the air, and he catches the reloading rounds into his gun. He tosses bullets into his revolver super fucking fast. It's all really fucking cool, and the only thing I could think to myself was, was it worth the wait to get to this scene? No, it wasn't. Like, everything has just moved either really slow or really fast. We've done all this, like, to get to this last act and the list last, like, 15 minutes of the movie, it was just kind of a trod through everything else. It was so slow getting to this point, but the scene and and pacing was so fast at the same time. It was just, like, boring. And you get one really cool action scene out of it. The, The third act is kind of where everything got better, But it was too late. We get some of the best lines in the movie. We get some of the best scenes in the movie. And we definitely get the best action scene in the entire fucking film. So now that he's taken out most of the people in the place. And basically all he has to do is get through Sayer. We cut back over to Jake and the man in black. Because he's pulled him through the portal. He stuck him inside of the machine. And he's basically fighting back with his shine. And not allowing the... Uh, the machine to fire and of course that's got to get the man in black to get him agitated so that he can actually use the machine something's wrong something's wrong here the levels are plateauing it's as if he's fighting back why do you resist your visions didn't bring you to him they brought you to me He doesn't love you. He doesn't care for you. In fact, he's been using you this entire time to get to me. This is why you're here. This is your destiny. You killed my mom! Yes, that's it. There we go. Even that delivery of that line, You killed my mom! It's it's pretty goddamn terrible. So, he's getting him. They're starting to fire at the tower. And looks like that... Because his power is so strong, it's just him that's only needed. Before, they needed a room full of fucking kids to do one laser shot. And for, you know, Jake over here, they only need him to do massive fucking damage to the tower. Now, they try to close out the portal because, like I said, Roland is just taking everybody fucking out. And eventually, he does fight Sayer. Sayer comes up. 
and basically tackles him like he's a fucking wolf. And they go outside for a second, and then he fucking shoots him. It's like the the most terrible thing. And it's a bunch of CGI people fucking fighting in this scene. I, I just... It's, it's so crappy that it's like... I, I wanted there to be something a little more epic about that. And it turns out it's absolutely nothing. He just tackles him. They run around. He f- shoots him. And that's it. So he goes back inside because he needs to go into the portal. They're trying to close the portal. And they realize that Jake is both using his shine to stop from firing at the tower. And at the same time, keeping the portal open so that Roland can come through. So Walter, then now he's like, you know what? You want me one-on-one? Let's do this. And now we get the ultimate battle between Roland and the man in black. This is the thing that we've all been waiting for, folks. The bell has fucking rung. They put on their gloves. They're going to go and fight. And you get some of the dumbest shit I've seen in the entire movie. It's just... uh, Roland can't hit him with his gun. He keeps firing bullets at him. And all we got is... It's fucking McConaughey just grabbing the bullets out of air, and it just looks so stupid. It just, it looks bad. That's the thing. Like, it's meant to be really fucking cool, and it could have been really fucking cool, but it just doesn't look right. He's just grabbing at air. He doesn't know what he's fucking doing. His, like, big, big feet, his, his... One spot that I feel like McConaughey is very good at is delivering dialogue. And this is not him delivering dialogue. He was pretty good in Sahara, to be honest with you. It's not that bad. But being kind of the wise-cracking adventure guy like he's fucking Nathan Drake, you know, you have him out here doing this as the bad guy doing this magic thing, catching bullets all over the place... It's kind of dumb. I do like it when he took the bullets and he starts throwing it back at him like he's firing the bullets at him. I thought that was kind of cool. The scene you see in the trailer where he shoots the glass above him and it falls down, that's really terrible too. It looks terrible for 2017. And he throws the shards of glass at Roland and one catches him in one of the hands, disabling that hand from even firing the, the gun. He gets him trapped over into a corner and then, you know, he starts doing almost almost like he's going to do the wanted thing where he's bending the bullets, but he's not bending, he's ricocheting it. So he starts ricocheting the bullets everywhere, starts like, but Walter's still good and keeps, you know, catching them. And eventually Walter causes a big part of the building to fall down on top of Roland. And when he does that, it looks like Roland is out for the count, but... Good old Jake uses his shine, and that's where Roland finally fully transforms into the gunslinger that he needs to be, because Jake reminds him of the gunslinger's creed.
So Roland then takes two last shots at poor Walter over here. He shoots one out and banks it. Then he banks the other one. So what he does is he takes the shot, right? And it's flying at Walter. And Walter's looking and he's like, yeah, okay, I'm just going to grab this one, you idiot. You shot it at me again. But he does a double ricochet. And the other bullet comes in at the last possible minute. And it hits the bullet. And so it misses his catch. And it hits him right in the shoulder. And then Roland just lays into him with his gun. And eventually takes a headshot. And courses, you know, poor Walter to fall through the portal. And supposedly dead. You know, and he takes his last two shots. One at the restraints that are holding Jake. And the other at the machine, which, of course, blows up the whole thing, blows up the whole building, and they've saved the day. They've destroyed the weapon that could possibly destroy the Dark Tower, and they've, you know, now he's saved Jake, and Jake is back in our world. So it now shifts over to New York. We're going to get one last joke, you know, now, and then we're going to find out what's going to be the fate of Roland and Jake as the movie ends. I think we are out of the woods just yet. Very intense solar flare. Here. What is this? Thank you. Thanks. Hot dog. Savages. What breed? <laughs> no, it's not a breed. I have to leave here, Jake. You understand that, don't you? I know. Why don't you come with me? Really? You have nothing here? Besides, I could use your help. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Gunslinger. the dark tower it's it's just so goddamn slow i mean the stupid joke the hot dog joke at the end it's kind of funny well what breed is this you guys are savages just because they're eating fucking hot dogs and not a real dog i get it you have to do one of these fish out of water fucking jokes right at the end of the movie but it does continue on because of course this was supposed to lead into a series that was going to be done with Amazon and up until last year or I think at the beginning of this year it finally just got dropped by them and now they're probably trying to shop around seeing where they could do it and I think Idris Elba was supposed to do uh, the series too as Roland 
And you had the kid, Jake. He was going to be there. And they were going to continue on with the adventures of Jake and Roland. Like this is fucking Calvin and Hobbes or some shit. And you're going to actually have McConaughey back too as the man in black. Meaning that he didn't die. And at the end of the credits, there is like a whistle that he does towards the beginning of the movie. uh, That is signaling that that's him, right? And so... You, even though you think he's dead, he can't really die. And honestly, if they're going to do it like the books do it, eventually, you know, you're going to have him killed by something else. Uh, that is a big. Well, how the hell did that fucking happen in the books as it is? So, did I enjoy it? Parts. You know, like, I actually kind of enjoyed the last act, but only because the action was pretty good and we had a couple of pretty good pieces of dialogue. But in general, I just feel like they shit all over the story. They tried to do something that was different because, like I said earlier, the whole thing is just like another version of the story, right? The way that the original books ended, and this wasn't necessarily like a retelling of it, but this is a continuation. And if you didn't know that that was supposed to be a continuation of things, and a lot of people found out just from the still images and an item that he held, and you do get a little bit of the whole thing, like his guns were forged by... like. The Excalibur sword. That's the whole idea. And they do mention that in the movie as well, right? There is a scene. It just was so short that it wasn't really worth keeping it in. And it really was just a little extra backstory for Roland that I don't know necessarily need to be in the movie. Or did it? It might have needed to be. But really, they could have just done a version of the first book. Like, that's what I was hoping for. You can still change it. You can still make tweaks to it. There are things that can happen differently. You know, I mentioned the Final Fantasy VII remake, and I know a lot of you guys might not be gamers or don't even like those, but the way that that did the story, I thought was decent. You know, that it followed the story, but it made tweaks here or there that were different enough because of what had happened previously and that they're trying to tell the same story in a different way without it being a shot-for-shot remake or a a bite-for-bite or a polygon-for-polygon remake of the original game. And they could have done that here, too. I think there's a lot of really cool things. There's definitely a lot of cool action scenes. There's a lot of stuff in between. It really was meant to be, you know, even... Stephen King has said that Roland was designed after Clint Eastwood in his old westerns, right? Like your good, the bad, and the ugly character, where he's like he's a, a you know a wanderer, but he's good at heart, but he's gruff, and he just he grows as the books go along. And definitely in the first book, he grows a lot. He grows immensely in the drawing of three. And eventually he knows that he has to sacrifice everybody and everything to obtain what he wants. But not everybody gets the bad ending that they need to. And because, you know, and again, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling the gunslinger here. But when he has to let Jake drop and die, it's a huge moment in the book. Here, there really isn't anything like that. There isn't anything other than Jake and his mom dying and having to experience that. That's probably the closest thing, but it doesn't even touch the original source material when it comes to character growth. 
Roland should not have just been a side character in this movie. And that's where the flaw really is for me, right? I, I like Jake as a character in the books, but really I'm there for fucking Roland. I'm there for Roland and his search for the fucking Dark Tower, his battles with the man in black, and not just like... Jake stumbling upon the world, learning about it, and Roland not figuring out who he is beforehand. Like, it would have been, you know, you could change those things. You can do this like you take parts of the Wastelands and you mix it with the Gunslinger. You could do that, and it would still be fine. But you don't have to make him the main focus of the first 15 to 20 minutes of the film, and then when Roland comes in, it's like a fucking afterthought. These books are his, right? This is his story. We even spend a full book, okay, where we start off at the end of the cliffhanger of one book, and then we get a whole story of him to learn even more about him and the way that he's become, right? That's Wizard and Glass. It, it's, it's crazy that you have a story within a story, and that it was the first time I think I've ever read something where I was like, you know, I was sagalled into believing that it was going to be more about what they were doing, and it turned out to be a whole different story, but it was still about Roland, so it wasn't fully sagalled there. But here, this really isn't about Roland, this is about Jake, and I think that's where this fails. Like, that's the biggest thing. And then the fact that you try to make you know, the man in black, this big fucking powerful guy can't be stopped, uses this word of God type of power on everybody, yet he hasn't conquered shit yet, and the only way they can do is by kidnapping kids, which he could have done by himself a long fucking time ago if he was this fucking powerful. Like, you diminished his power by not just him being the, the the king of everything already, and having destroyed the fucking Dark Tower already. Like, that's it. The, you don't show his limitations. You don't show his limitations until you show that he's so fucking full of himself that Roland is able to kill him because Roland realizes what he has to do because he's been not following the Gunslinger's creed and he could have killed him a long time ago because all he wanted was fucking revenge. That's it. That, that's all you're getting out of it. But it's just... And then the whole shine thing, you don't need to fucking put that in this movie. I think you could have done something else to connect the worlds together. Like I said, characters pop up in this series. Pennywise shows up for just a moment. It ties back to Salem's Lot. One of the characters becomes a major character for quite some time in the book. You know, in King himself, you know, it, it shows up. For a little bit. Like I mentioned really, really early on. It, you have all these crazy things that tie all his book. Because it's, it's the backbone of all of his stories. And, and what's holding everything together. It's holding him together. And here you kind of touch on it a little bit. But it's all just fucking Easter eggs. That's all it is. That's all you get in here are Easter eggs of a story. And it's just so fucking boring. Like, I don't know how many times I had to, like, take myself away from not paying attention to something else because I didn't give a fuck where this thing was going because I was just bored out of my mind. It's it's the first movie in a long time that I've seen where it's so fast-paced, meaning that it jumps from point to point to point to point to point, and really pieces of dialogue are just to tell you what they're doing and what they're going to do next. 
and that, but it moves so goddamn slow that it doesn't feel like it's an hour and a half. It feels like it's two and a half hours. So it's just, is it worth your time? I just don't think so. If you're such a big fan of the books, stay the fuck away from it. Like, watch it if you want to be fucking hurt, right? If you want to have a reaction like I had to this movie, watch the fucking movie if you love the books. If you don't, then just fucking, you know, it might be worth it just for the end, but I think the pacing is just going to fucking kill you at the same time. So if I have to go through the ratings like I always do and I always put myself through, this is where I rate everything. And the movie is PG-13, right? So when we get to the gore of the movie... Uh, It's a 1 out of 5. Maybe you could put it at a 2 because there's a lot of gunplay. But really you see two bullets to the head uh, and they're fleeting. And there's like a little bit of CG blood that comes out. And you see the whole McConaughey's head. But there's no blood. It's just a black dot. It's just fucking CGI. So it's not really even gory. And it's one of those things where I feel like the reason that it was done this way is because it wanted to get international markets where you can't show a lot of blood. And you want to recoup most of your movie costs, which I bet they did because it didn't do too well here in the U.S. And it barely made back its money. Uh, Crap Factor, I'm going to give this a 4 out of 5 because McConaughey's performance and Idris Elba's performance are pretty good. I do like McConaughey's a little better. I do really like Idris Elba's. But even after listening to it while I was going through this, and originally I thought it was so comical. And there are some really comical little scenes about the way McConaughey works. But I realize it's because I think he's fucking calling birds every time he uses an S or he fucking whistles while he talks. Right? He's a fucking dwarf and, and he's there and he's whistling while he's working and just enjoying himself. But it honestly looks at times like he's really enjoying himself in the role. And it's a role that he really got into. So I'm going to give him that for this. But in general, you know, it's it's okay. You know, but that just saves it for being a 5 out of 5. Other than that, every other character is a throwaway character. The one agent that he has, like... She, he says the thing about her face, and then later on he gets pissed off about something and he scars her face because her face is beautiful. Because her team fucked up again when they couldn't capture Jake inside the village, right? That's her penance, is that her beautiful face is scarred, yet she's not a beautiful person underneath there. It's like, okay, but who gives a fuck? I don't care about those fucking characters. Not like she fucking revolts against him. She never really fucking talks again. She has maybe two lines in the whole fucking movie. And who gives a shit? You know? The mom and the dad. Yeah, it sucks that the mom dies. And she does have that little bit of terror. But for the most part, the character's pointless. It's useless. Every other character is pointless. Except for the man in black, fucking Roland, who's kind of pointless to be honest. And Jake. Even Sayer who is a big part of the fucking story, he's relegated to a fucking watchdog and one fight with fucking Roland. Yeah, he's ahead of the Sombra company, but they don't do anything. It's Why even use that on the van? They're just vans with the fucking name on it. They don't have any other significance like they do in the fucking books. It, it's just like, we're going to do this, and because that's just a nod to this, but then we're not going to do anything with it. Why even incorporate it? It doesn't make any sense to me. Fun factor, I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5. Like I said, some of the pieces of dialogue and that last action sequence where Roland's doing all the cool gunslinger things, loading up really fast, and all that stuff up until when he fights the man in black, it's a lot of fun. 
I really perked up. I really enjoyed it. It's enough to give it that extra point. And the dialogue from the man in black, from Walter, is pretty good. And it's delivered well by Matthew McConaughey. So, even though it seems ridiculous at times. But the rest of everybody can fucking go to hell. I don't really give a shit. So, overall, I'm going to give this 2 out of 5 bird calls. Uh, It's just, I don't feel like it's worth your time. It's a little bit better than getting a 1 from me. It's not really worth that. I'd give something else that was that didn't give me at least some enjoyment uh, a one, but here it's it's in that two range. It's just not very good, um, and I don't feel better for watching it. And you know, sometimes I can sit there. I couldn't even sit there and laugh at half this shit. I was just like, why the fuck are they doing this? Why the fuck are they doing this? Why the fuck are they doing this constantly while I was watching the film? So that's it for this episode, and that's it for the season. So. What are we starting off Season 6 with? Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know that every start of every season is a movie that's affected me or that I really love, and I'm just taking a look back on it. And it usually has some big significance to me in the film, whether it's Killer Clowns from Out of Space, um, which I think they just said Out of Face instead of Out of Space, uh, Outer Space. Uh, it's Event Horizon. It is Monster Squad. Um, or Warlock, those films have a lot of meaning to me. So this one has a lot of meaning to me too. And you know what? We just don't have enough shirtless sax players uh, on the podcast. So here we go. Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Star. Get yourself a good sharp stick. Drive it right through his heart. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a damn blood sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. When a vampire buys it, it's never a pretty sight. Michael McCartney! That's right. I'm going to be looking at The Lost Boys for the next episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. And let me tell you for a second, that trailer does not do the movie any justice. Now, I know there are some people out there that don't really like this movie, and I call those people crazy. Uh, but no, you're free to like or dislike whatever you fucking like. But I love this fucking movie. I've loved it ever since I first saw it, and it has a very significant uh, significance to me. I know I'm double talking here uh <laughs> but it, it has some important things for me that i'll talk about on the next podcast because i don't want to give them away uh and it's just something that's fun it's entertaining to me you know i know the quarries are in it and it was during the quarry phase but they don't detract for me from enjoying the rest of the film so we're gonna look at that but 
I'm going to say that that trailer is fucking terrible. I thought there was another trailer out there. That's the best one, and that is a fucking terrible trailer. And even when you watch it, they really didn't know how to market this fucking movie. And that's probably why maybe it didn't get as big of a following when it first came out, and then as people have seen it, it's gotten a much bigger following later on. So... It's not really available anywhere to watch for free. If you know you're like me and you own it, you just pop in that DVD and watch it right away. Otherwise, it is available to rent or stream things like Google Play, or YouTube, iTunes, Vudu. A lot of those places have it that you can just watch it out there. It used to be on Netflix, and I don't know, maybe it's going to come back. Last time I said anything about being on something, it fucking left. Uh, when I was going to go record the podcast. So... We'll have to see, uh, but definitely it should be a good time. I hope you guys, you know, will enjoy watching that again and joining me next episode for that. Uh, with all that being said, don't forget to go out there and follow the SIP network. That's at Network SIP on Twitter, uh, SIPnet.us out there on the web. You can find such podcasts as Five Faith from Fans, Angry Dad Podcast, Paranormal Pativity, uh, the podcast from Another World, So I Married a Bigfoot, Five Faith from Fans, Back in Time Podcast, From the Waste, Dead Hand Radio, uh, and as well as this podcast. So we're there, we're out there, get used to it. Uh, but yeah, you know, go check out the other guys. There are a bunch of episodes that I've been featured on on different episodes of, of those podcasts. And we're working also at Be Like That Podcast. Don't forget about that podcast uh, where we're going to be hopefully doing something special soon and bringing everybody kind of on to those episodes so we can all just have a chat and check in, especially with all these crazy times that are going out there. Uh, I just haven't set anything up for that podcast yet. So uh, I do appreciate you guys taking the time to come over here and listen to the podcast and check everything out that has been going on in this world. And so with uh, that being said, don't forget to follow the podcast out there. We're available on Facebook, facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast. Check us out there on Twitter, twitter.com slash T underscore T underscore podcast. And then check out the YouTube page, which is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Uh, and I've done some unboxing videos and I did a review of Creepshow on Shudder that you can check out. Uh, kind of my favorite episodes that are out there. Instagram, Terrible Terror Podcast as well. So... With all that being said, don't forget next time, watch Lost Boys, and after the music's done, you're going to get a lot of fucking bloopers. Take care of yourself and each other. It's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve into the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special to get... God damn it. <laughs> well, if you've made your own special effects on your phone, MacGyver style, and you keep fucking this thing up... Why? Why do I keep fucking this up? Ah, oh, Jesus fucking H Christ. Now, what do you get when you take a film? <laughs> oh, what do you get when you take a screen queen? But this makes no fucking sense. Brian, you didn't type this out right. Now, what do you get when you have another bunch of incestuous landlords? 
and then the kid that tries to stop them. I don't know. This is what happens when I try to improv that part of the goddamn podcast. It always fails, even before the music runs out. We start in the past. It's a giant black... <laughs> black from the past? Okay. All right. And you could just, like, instead of laying hands, you could, you know, hurt or whatever the fuck it's called. Can't fucking remember what that fucking spell is called. But, uh, the clock never regains any type of moment... Momentum. Momentum. Ugh. Now it's exactly the role reversal. He's busy daring, like, burying the... <laughs> daring the grave. What the hell is wrong with me? How are you going to have the best fucking Christmas ever if you're going to an advan- abandoned... Abandoned? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> abandoned amusement park. And so is Anna and the Pop- Apocalypse. Apocalypse. <laughs> it's That's terrible. I gotta get rid of that. Well, thank you, P.O.D., and welcome to a new episode of the Peril... Fuck, I fucked it up right at the beginning. God fucking damn it. We see how Adrian and Cassius... Cassius? Cassius? Ugh, fucking A, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the fact that he knocked up his his breast friend's wife. No, he knocked up his best friend's wife. God damn it. And that animatronic cost the studio... Here's another mortal font... Stop. Hold on. Uh, that's that's going to be a blooper. Everybody's like, yeah, we're just going to be quiet about Spider-Man. No, fuck no. I'm going to go to fucking Joe Jonah Janus. Jameson. Joe Jonah Jameson. What the hell? I'm trying to get something to drink. You know, like always, just listen. If you just want to listen, listen to the goddamn podcast. Podcast. The next thing in podcasting. Anyone want to talk about her being like this, uh, you know, she's a queen in Greek. Greek. Greek? Did I say just say Greek? Greek mythology. So a little bit of selfishness, like selflessness. Bleh, 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 bleh. It's not like we're watching hereditary, hereditary here, hereditary. Ugh. But sometimes he's just a little bit too dry, even in the, the like the scar, the scarcastic. Jesus fucking Christ! They see a bunch of you know feet and marks, <laughs> feet marks. What the fuck? Uh, footprints. <laughs> Feet marks. <laughs> and then they take him downstairs into the new BPPR. So they bought us the tickets. The people at the theater we went to didn't really give a shit that it was just the three of us. And I remember sitting in a theater. Like, theater? What the hell is a theater? He decides that he wants to get his sword boy and he wants to teach Asha lesson. Asha lesson. <laughs> Yeah, let's go teach that ass a lesson, man. Like, I feel like character projection... Projection... Gotta love those fucking 80 cents coming out of your stereo right now. Hey, everybody, it's another episode of the uh, Terrible Terror Podcast. And am I fucking up already? Oh, well, whatever. We'll keep that one in. Now, this week, we're doing the movie. Not to be confused, confused, I'm gonna have to redo that shit again. Fuck me. Walk in on the start of the marriage ceremony, and as Egg Fun or Egg Fun, <laughs> uh, Egg Shin, um, I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna stop and redo that one. Then going through with the rest of the podcast, I think is perfectly, yeah, it's perfectly, so again, it's beautiful when Nick he actually joins in on the song during the cornice, the cornice. Okay, not gonna include that one. His penance is fucking... I can't fucking talk. Ah! 
They call it evil, evil dead, evil, evil dead. Ooh, look at you. You can fucking speak. But it's definitely different. Like at the beginning, he calls it the Necronomicon. boy. And it was obvious that he was going to loot, like, can't fucking talk. Can't fucking do it. Just because you were caught being married and trying to fuck with one of the rages. Yeah, fucking A. I was doing so good. And so, who does he run into while he's there? Out there in the wilderness and out there in the cold? That's your line. Are you setting me up? Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll do this again. And who does he run into? into the, fuck. So, there you have it. Basically, you have Peter here, played by Peter O'Toole, and he's the owner of Plunkett Castle. Well, he was inherited. He... Son of a bitch. Those are kind of my, like, roots for her, but she was a pretty good comedic asterisk. Asterisk? What the hell, man? Why can't you fucking talk right? So I had to look it up, because I really wanted to know whether or not the secretary put... This is like the seventh time I've had to fucking record this. There was a time where I broke into the school that lived that lived the school lived across the street from me. And so because they've now caught fool and basically he wants to basically make a uh, and basically because basically he basically wants to basically basically do something. God damn it. Why am I using that word so damn much? You shouldn't be driving home after you've been drinking a bunch of bill. Watch <laughs> a bill. Oh, fuck me. And for them to keep the PG through. Th- th- ah, ah. And this is why you never let yourself be the Bob Bob Moss. <laughs> Fuck me. So when the help Carl over there, I believe it's Carl, and it might be something else, but she does say Carl later on in the film. Yes, it is Carl. I have verified. I'm going to go back. I mean, I get it. Some people might concept like, blah, ah, fucking A. Teach you to try to kill Paul Walker. Uh, so, Tim, you know when you want to make another joke, but you know that you shouldn't? This is that time. Just still can't get over the fact that, hey, you know what? She's just not in that... <laughs> Fuck. Especially since of, you know, the whole inclusion in the, uh, you know, slightly regular... <laughs> You know the suit I'm talking about. But she's also not a brainwashed... Brainwashed? What the hell was that? Am I suddenly from fucking St. Louis? So, of course, they get roped into a plan with Guile to trick Sagat. And this all... Ah! Fucking name. Motherfucker can't talk. Motherfucker can't talk. Can't talk. Can't talk. Motherfucker. From Tammy and... Tammy... Cammy and God fucking damn it from Cammy and the T-Rex. That's where it's coming from that you would have Sagat, Sagat, Bob Sagat fight Ryu. And that's where we see Athena for the very first time, but we don't actually seen her. Um, don't actually seen her. What the hell is wrong with me? But she's perfectly fly- fine and she's alive. Um, I gotta go back because I said flying. We see that, you know, George, the superintendent or supervisor or where the fuck you want to call him too, basically the right hand man there of fucking Gate, Gartley, Gately, fuck me, whatever. 
What's the point, right? For those that are like me, that are primarily English speech, uh, bleh, speechers, what the fuck is wrong with me? Got me back. It got me back rel- like relatively quick in the room, and they managed to sedu all the, like, sedu? What, they're going to sudoku the ninjas or something? Sudoku, here we go. It's time to play a little Japanese puzzle game. And that's what we're going to listen to real fast all of right. him playing chest. Uh, chest? <laughs> that's terrible. Hold on. <laughs> Remove that. So they put everything inside that room, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what Diet Dr. Beat Diet Dr. Petus. Oh, you have to keep that in there. She's not really doing antacid. Like, why can't I fucking say antacid? Ugh, fuck me. Which would have lead lead me to believe fucking a. And why can't I fucking speak right, you piece of shit, motherfucker? God damn it. For his wife dying, and of course, photographer guy is the one that took the tics it, the, the tickets. Yeah, it took the tickets of the accident, because that's the way that it fucking works. You take tickets when you're a photographer guy. It's not, well, the, uh, can't fucking talk, and I talk like fucking Tasmanian devil, what I'm gonna fucking do. And he calls into dispatch, uh, fuck, can I not say dispatch? What the fuck is wrong with me? But why? Why wouldn't you fucking Chester? Like, check her like chest her <laughs> why wouldn't you bump chests with her man why don't you get those boobies together for some of us we're lucky enough to live with somebody that actually has studied cosmetology and could cut their hair but then you know we don't cut our care so mm, there we go i think i just said cut or care oh well <laughs> but there is no cut or if there is a cut and there is a score like fucking a score what what's a score back at the house later that night because there's way too many people there at the Borg. At the Borg? What the hell? Then going through with the rest of the podcast, I think it's perfectly... Yeah. It's perfectly... So, again, it's beautiful when Nick, he actually joins in on the song during the cornice. The cornice? Okay, not gonna include that one. He's like, I don't want to pull a J.R.R. God damn it. I'm missing, mixing up Tolkien and fucking George R.R. Mark and J.R.R. Mark and fucking dumbass. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve in the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you've made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you mix? Get oh fucking a man! I almost made it through perfectly fine, and of course, I fuck it up at the end. <laughs>